This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to Is This Real Life? Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives in the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you had a great week. I am coming down from the incredible high that was BravoCon 2023. Oh my gosh, it lived up to every expectation I had and more. It was one of the most fun experiences of my entire life. I <laughs> I sound insane talking about it, but it was it was fabulous. It was so fun to be around all the other people that love these shows as much as I do and to have the same kind of shared sense of humor. And I don't people say that when you went to the Taylor Swift Eras Tour concert, it was just very like so much positive energy. Like that's actually what I felt at BravoCon. I felt everyone was so kind to each other, had so much like in common, and it was just it was a blast. Of course. I did get a cold after and had to spend a day and a half in bed, and that was not as fun. But I am recovering, so apologize in advance for my voice and all of that. Um, I've got not one, but two guests this week. My friend Jody Turingle, who traveled with me to BravoCon, we shared a hotel room, like we, we had the best time. And then I have Nicole Sanchez has on who runs the Instagram account Bay Area Bravo and her and I met via the BravoCon Facebook page cuz I sold her a Bravo Palooza ticket and we talk about that a bit and then we go into the four housewives episodes that aired this past week. You know that even though I was traveling and even though I got sick there was no way I was missing any of these shows. Um, one show that I didn't get to recap but want to talk about briefly now is Southern Charm. I think this week was a really, really interesting episode. We got to see Olivia go visit Taylor and her family at their lake house, and they sat down and talked. And I think that the issue for Olivia isn't just that Taylor had been lying to her about whether or not she made out with Austin, but the timeline didn't match. Like, it it didn't make sense. So Olivia was in Los Angeles for a week. And right before she left for Los Angeles, she had been talking to Austin, and Taylor was the one that was convincing her to take Austin back and give it another shot of dating. And then by the end of that week, 
Taylor was hooking up with Austin. So it's like, where? why would you advise me to take this man back when you're going to go after him yourself? I think she just is like, this. the math ain't mathin', right? Oh, I felt so bad for her because they're filming and she's put in these uncomfortable situations and she is just weeks, weeks into her grieving you know, her brother had just died. And I can't even imagine having the emotional capacity to film, to talk about things that don't really matter that much, especially when you compare it to losing a sibling. So kudos to Olivia. She is a rock star for just making it through the rest of the season. Um, It was also so cringe to watch Rod try and have the define the relationship conversation with her. Like, I don't know. Rod seems like a nice guy, but my goodness, like her brother just died. He like, I, I think a lot of these people haven't maybe experienced significant loss, so they don't understand just how disruptive it is to absolutely every aspect of your life. But making a decision about getting serious with someone dating like in the immediate aftermath of such loss it's a lot to ask someone and then of course we see Shep being very mean to Taylor he gets very upset over losing some sort of pool game or I don't know table tennis I have no idea what they were playing but he blames her for him being in a bad mood and for her pushing his buttons and that is a It's dangerous territory, you know, to have someone say, oh, you're the reason you're pushing my buttons. You're the reason that I'm angry and don't don't say whatever you want to say because I may not be able to control myself. That's it's not a good place to be. It sounds very abusive. It's it's not great. And of course, when Taylor did kind of kind of gloat with the fact that Shep lost the stupid game, he loses his mind on her. And she's like, oh, did it feel good to cheat on me? And he said, well, sometimes it did. That's just really nasty. She throws a drink on him and, you know, threatens to leave. And I don't know. And then somehow she ends up in Shep's bed the next morning. They slept in the same bed with little Craig, the dog. And I don't know. It's just, what are you doing, Taylor? Oh, I just kind of want to like reach through the television and shake her and be like, come on, girl. Like, I know your heart got broke, but you can't use it as an excuse to behave the way you've been behaving. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Oh, my goodness. And Winterhouse this week was fun. I love the, like... (laughs) Half the cast is really good at snowboarding and skiing. One is even like a professional skier or former professional skier. And then I love the the cast that's on the bunny slopes because that's where I would be. Even though I've done downhill skiing, I'm always afraid every single time I do it, I'd rather stick to cross country. It's also just funny to watch all of these women fawning over Corey Kiefer. I, he's not the one I would have picked, but he must be very charismatic. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see when Sam finally shows up and we get to see that he wasn't being so open and honest about the fact that he's pretty much exclusively dating her, even though they hadn't had that conversation yet. And that came up a lot at BravoCon. He was asked many different times about it. And I think Sam was a little insecure watching it back. And I would be too. 
So a couple other things that happened this week. And you'll hear because I found out some of it at different times. So when I was recording with Jody and when I was recording with Nicole, I didn't know everything about what's going on with Monica Garcia on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So Monica, it was very obvious at BravoCon, was sort of ostracized from the rest of the cast. They didn't do any appearances together. There was no panel. That got scrapped. They said, oh, we're doing the reunion in just a few weeks. But they could have still done something, you know? And I don't know. It just felt like there was something off. And then we find out that she allegedly has been going to Beauty Lab and Laser and then not paying. And Beauty Lab and Laser, Heather's business, had sued her for failure to pay. And then she decided to counter sue and say that she had botched Botox. Well, the reason that it has been four years between the time she failed to pay and the lawsuit is because allegedly Heather only found out this year that it was Monica that was this person that kept showing up under different aliases and not pain, all alleged. So a lot of theories are that the first couple minutes of the season where they're in, I forgot where they are, if they're in the Bahamas or something like that, and Heather's very upset. She's on the phone and goes, I can't believe it's her. I can't believe it's her. Maybe she's talking about Monica and what's been going on with her business. I do not know. There's also a lot of talk about how the cast believes that Monica stole Lisa Barlow's $60,000 ring. Now, we have no proof of this. We have no idea. This is just gossip. But wanted to share it because it seems that going into the reunion, there is a lot of animosity towards Monica from the entire cast. And that's a that's a pretty hard thing to do where every single person has a problem with you. It reminds me a little bit of Noella on OC where she didn't really have an ally at all. Um, and then as I was thinking back from BravoCon, and you'll hear a very in-depth recap, I forgot to mention how fabulous it was to meet some of the cast of Family Karma, including Brian Benny. He was so lovely. And I got to record a video message for his mom, Dharma. I was like, your mom is one of the best people I've ever seen on TV. She is made for TV. She is so funny. And he's like, let's record a video. And he was just messaging with me and said that he'd showed it to her and that she was crying because I said that she was just so fantastic and raised what a really wonderful um, son, because he was just so friendly with everyone and and so kind. So that was that was a treat. I love the cast of Family Karma, and I really hope they get rebooted on Peacock or whatever Bravo and Peacock and NBC Universal need to do to get that show back on the air. Because those of us who are fans of Family Karma, like, we're big time fans. We're not just like half assed fans. We ride for Family Karma. It is one of the best shows on Bravo. And if you are listening to me and you have not watched the three seasons of Family Karma, run, do not walk to your television and go ahead and start from the beginning because it is an absolute joy. All right. So 
going to start with a chat with my friend Jody, and then go into a conversation with Nicole Sanchez, where we talk a little BravoCon, and then go through the Real Housewives of Potomac premiere, Salt Lake City, Beverly Hills, and Miami. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast, go ahead, give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. It helps me get good guests. And if you have any constructive criticism or anything you want to reach out to me about, you can always reach me in my DMs at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram. Okay, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with Jody. Hi, everyone. I am here with my friend, Jody Terangel, who I went to BravoCon with. <laughs> How are you doing, Jody? Good. Very excited to be here. <laughs> we are going to recap our experience at BravoCon for you all, because I think... I don't know, people have been asking, how was it? And, you know, rather than giving just this big overview, I thought it might be nice to kind of go day by day and some of the big things that happened. Yeah, in short, just the best weekend of our lives. (laughs) I'm telling you, it I was telling Jody, it felt like going to Disney World and you get to meet the Disney princesses, except they're housewives. (laughs) Yeah, the number of parents I spoke with that said that, you know, apart from maybe the birth of their children or their wedding days, (laughs) this was their favorite weekend was just really both shocking and endearing. (laughs) It was so well done. I just thought it was so well planned. I mean, even walking into the bathroom and seeing like on, there were decals on the mirrors that said, hi, baby gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> like all of every the like, trivia in the bathrooms because Clorox was a sponsor was just so funny. I loved that. Like all of the, you know, who, who flipped a table? It's yeah. Like, hilarious. It was just so well thought out. Um, and I kept on telling Jody like, can you imagine being in the meeting where they came up with this, you know, and then had to figure out how to execute it? (laughs) Right. And like, did they strategically get certain people in those meeting rooms? Because I feel like if you had like your supervisor in there that didn't watch Bravo and they were sort of like smiling along, but they didn't know what was happening, you know, it would be awkward to be the one in the room that had no reference point. Yeah. I'm assuming everyone would have the reference point that's doing the planning, I would hope. Yeah. Yeah. We would hope so. I wonder if in some of those big companies that were sponsors, you know, you probably had to be the one. Oh, to <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That I understand. I see what you're saying. No, like I was the just Clorox thinking. room, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, like, who came up with the idea to stage Meredith Marks's bathtub? <laughs> I loved that. Yeah. Good job, Wayfair. We loved your little installation there. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So it starts out on Thursday, November 2nd. We get up at the crack of dawn and we head to uh, Washington National Airport, which is what D.C. locals call it. We don't call it Reagan. (laughs) Um, it's important fact. Um, and on our flight are is not one, but two housewives and a cast member of Summer House Martha's Vineyard. 
Yeah, and I remember on the way there, we were like, mm, are they already in Vegas? Do we think that there's a chance they'll be with us? But, you know, just we had low expectations going in. So uh, it was a pleasant surprise at 7 a.m. to I, see the people we I was saw. Like, no, they're going to be other people like us. I'm assuming the talent is already there so they can rest up before a la Jenna Lyons, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I assume they didn't want to fly coach, but there they were. <laughs> well, Ashley and Candace were on our flight and they were in first class. Um, and Candace was wearing her sunglasses indoors the entire time and not acknowledging or speaking to Ashley. <laughs> Yeah, it was interesting because I thought like, okay, maybe they're not, you know, chatting outside, you know, waiting to board together, but they would at least be sitting next to each other on the flight. But then when we got on the plane and Ashley was like first row and then you had Candace a couple rows back, uh, not acknowledging each other. That was funny. So, uh, yeah, I I wanted to say hi to Ashley because she was the first one I saw, you know, like when I was waiting to board. Um, So all I ended up saying was like, we're so excited to see you. And she was like, thanks for coming. So, you know, but people were coming up to me in the airport saying like, who is this famous person on our flight? And, uh, you know, either you knew who she was or you didn't. But the people that I said, like, do you watch The Real Housewives? Obviously did not. (laughs) Right. She was so great. And they were both so great. And when we were actually boarding, we kind of got stuck near Candace's row. So there was like a couple of minutes where we're just kind of waiting to be able to get farther into the plane. And so obviously I was like staring at Candace. She's hard not to look at. She's so beautiful. And I was like, we love you. Yeah. Yeah. And she and Chris were just so nice last year because I didn't get, you know, a ton of time to talk to, you know, the DC adjacent folks and they were just so nice. Um, And so it was too bad that Chris wasn't there this year, but um, yeah, they, I really just enjoyed meeting them before. And so, yeah, it was, you know, you never know how people are going to be at 7am, but uh, they're both really nice. (laughs) Yeah. They were lovely. Absolutely lovely. Um, And it was so funny getting on the plane because so many of the people were going to BravoCon and I had my send it to Daryl sweatshirt on shout out. It is the most comfortable sweatshirt I own. I'm just like, I'm (laughs) no plugs. Lala didn't ask me (laughs) to to plug it. It's, it's so comfortable. So everyone kept up being like, love your shirt, love your shirt. (laughs) So funny. Yeah. I loved like the combination of the people kind of wearing, you know, Bravo, merch and then also just walking you know up the aisle and seeing everybody watching it you know on their ipads was just so fun and so it was nice to like be on you know it felt like a like bravo chartered flight you know (laughs) yes (laughs) oh my gosh and so that evening on thursday evening we went to dinner and then um we met up with Taria from What Else Is Going On. That was so fun. And then we went to the after party for the cabaret that Amy Phillips put on. Um, but the party was put on by Mary Payne and Ingrid at Pink Shade. And it was so fun. We got to meet a lot of other podcasters, including Ronnie from Watch What Crappens, um, the ladies from the Bravo docket, Angela and Ceci. Uh, who else was there? Oh, Ryan Bailey and Maritza. Uh, yeah. Absolutely lovely. 
And yeah, and that was so fun because, you know, especially for me, you know, like not really knowing a lot of people sort of in the podcast world, but obviously I follow, you know, a lot of those accounts online and things like that. So that was the funny thing that, you know, I just, I just didn't even know what people looked like. So when you'd say like, oh, that's the Bravo docket, like I just, you know, I'm so used to kind of following this content, but I don't know who's putting it out. So that was really fun to, you know, kind of put the faces with the names. Yeah, everyone was so friendly and so kind. And we just had a blast, honestly. Um, So we get back, we go to bed at like, I don't know, it's definitely after two by the time we actually go to bed. Wake up bright and early. Jody's so kind to get up and get Starbucks for us every morning. Um, And we head over to BravoCon. And, you know, there's a lot happening. But I would say highlights are the Bravo Palooza that we had. Um, and specifically the fact that Sheena's entire family was there. Like it wasn't just Sheena. It was Sheena, Brock, Summer Moon, her sister Courtney, um, her mom, Erica, and I don't know her dad's name, but they were literally all there. And at one point we were sitting in a loungy area just chatting with her sister while Sheena was reapplying someone's lashes. And I, I don't know about you, Judy, I thought she was like, sharing her own brand of lashes. But it turned out that the woman she was talking to who was a Bravo fan just had a loose lash and uh, Sheena wanted to fix it for her. (laughs) Yeah, I loved that. I thought that was such like a cute kind of on brand Sheena moment and like really funny too that I was thinking like, you know, if you're someone's glam you're carrying that stuff around but the fact that Sheena you know walked around with like a little tiny glue in her back was <laughs> so great. and that she would take time out of the Bravo Palooza to do that was just like so sweet and it was nice to just like yeah see their whole family because I had met Brock um I guess at last BravoCon briefly but yeah to see you know all of them was really sweet and um Summer Moon I know it was probably so overwhelming but she's just like such a cute you know girl and she just was clearly like you know a little ham which was cute like on the red carpet kind of stuff and um was just really sweet like posing in the photo ops and um you know I think you really have to champ it out when you're that age and she was just really like so well behaved and um I was really just impressed with their whole family just for being there for that many hours you know um with how little she is so I was just they're just such great parents and it was cute to kind of see them in action yeah, and this was only an hour and 15 minute level, like our thing. So uh, Sheena's mom took Summer Moon after to, you know, get some lunch and take a nap and all of that. So she wasn't just parading the entire time. So they totally. definitely made sure to obviously take care of her and they all were there to help. Um, Jody, you got some advice from Sheena's sister. <laughs> Do you want to yeah. share it? <laughs> yeah, it was funny because, um, yeah, on on the lash note, it's like, you know, you're not utilizing your time unless you talk to, you know, the sisters about lash advice. But um, I had been having a really bad allergic reaction to lashes. And Courtney, Sheena's sister, you know, is also very well-versed in the uh, lash world. So she was telling me that she uses Flonase, the nasal spray. This is not a sponsored ad, but she uses Flonase on her eyes. And uh, she had photos of like the before and after the Flonase. Um, So that was entertaining. I mean, I'm not sure what my dermatologist will say about that advice. But um, yeah, she was she was so nice. She talked to us for a while, um, really just about like what it's like filming and um, how 
there's times when she just wants to like, you know, she's away somewhere. She flies back into LA. She wants to go to her sister's, but they're filming. So she's just waiting outside because she doesn't want to be on camera. Um, she's like fresh off a flight. So that, that was really fun. I think to, yeah, have the whole family. There was like a real bonus that I wouldn't have expected. Yeah. To see the whole dynamic and, you know, to be clear, she would take the Flonase, she would spray it on a Q-tip and then she would line her eyes with the Q-tip. Um, and Flonase, I think, has a steroid in it. So it probably helped um, keep the inflammation down. But, you know, and then she was like, oh, I'm pretty sure they're going to start marketing it for eyes. And I was like, I think they have to go through like FDA approval. <laughs> yeah, she was so funny. And I was, she was like, so I- funny. I really like her. So that was fun because I think, um, you know, some of those interactions at BravoCon are just like so unexpected and people that, you know, maybe you wouldn't have thought about like, oh, they could be there. But I thought she she was yeah, really fun and like just super friendly. And uh, yeah, if I do try out that tip, I'll be sure to let her know how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) And there were obviously other people there and we talked to them, but we just wanted to highlight some of the top things. So after this um, was the Vanderpump Rules panel, which was very, like, there was a lot happening there. Yeah, you could just feel that tension. Like, it's clear that even though they've had a whole season to film and, you know, it's been a few months now that not a lot has changed as far as some of those tensions go. Like, the interactions between Tom and Ariana you know, it felt really just like we're back at the reunion with like the level of what's going on between the two of them. And uh, I thought that was interesting because you're just not sure. I mean, it's not like I thought they'd be best friends, but it just was so frosty that like you could just feel it even in that big audience. (laughs) It was very awkward. And it felt like everyone else had kind of moved on a bit. But Ariana and Tom definitely have not. And yeah, and I, the I told you, Jody. What I thought was that I felt like Lisa Vanderpump kept interjecting herself a lot and trying to control the narrative during the panel, and I felt like the girls in particular were pretty quiet, especially Lala and Katie. Um, so yeah, I mean, Katie was funny. She said that uh, Tom Schwartz looked like a couch, but. Terry Maloney later told me that that line came because Tom Schwartz, when he was tried on his blazer, was like, "Ugh, this looks like a couch. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so funny because I had like heard that, too, that on like when one of those red carpet interviews, Katie was like, yeah, he actually kind of put that out there earlier. And so it was kind of like an inside joke. So, yeah, I thought that was really funny. Um, And, you know, I I think Lisa, uh, yeah, on that note of like trying to spin the narrative, she kept just being like, look at Ariana now. She's living her best life. And like, I think that she, you know, in an effort to like back up Tom, she sort of says these things like, well, you know, Ariana's living her best life. We're all good now. And so, like, it's interesting that I think she just, I like, she clearly just wants to kind of spin it away from, like, any animosity that's still there and just kind of say, like, but the result has been excellent, so let's move on. Yeah, it's, it, and then when they ask, like, who's going to have the most to answer for at the reunion, and Lisa was basically like, I know they all have a problem with me, kind of, like, the, the women. I was like, yep. I also have a prediction that Ariana is not going to be a fan favorite on this next season. I think she's holding on and she's bitter. And I think the fans have moved on. And so 
I think it's going to be, I don't know, I think people are going to get tired of her. That's how I think. I Not that we should or shouldn't, just like that's what I predict will happen. Yeah, I'm interested to see. I mean, obviously, you know, we had that teaser. And so I think like, yeah, I mean, not knowing some of the context of that where they're fighting and, she, you know, she's going to get her lawyer involved. And like, I'm interested to see kind of everything that goes into this season, because I think the original story was sort of like that they weren't filming together. And I took that as like, they're, you know, maybe at parties, but they're not talking, but it's interesting to see. I mean, it seems like that would have been hard to avoid for a whole season and maybe there weren't filmed, you know, one-on-one interactions, but clearly they're in a lot of situations, you know, at the beach together, at people's houses together, and they are talking. So I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how all of that goes down. Yeah. What was tough at the panel for me was the audience kept booing Sandoval over and over and over to the point that you couldn't hear his responses to questions from Karamo. Like, it was excessive. I wish they had just like had one big boo at the beginning so people could get their feelings out um, and then stop making such a fuss and commotion during the panel. Like, how much can one person take? I, I don't know. It felt like excessive for me. I can't even imagine what he must be feeling. Yeah. And it just was so disruptive because I saw like in one of the red carpet interviews, Ariana was like, oh, I couldn't even hear what was going on. I was kind of trying to lip read. So it's like by the time, you know, no one on the cast can hear what's going on. It's like, it was so disruptive to the panel. And so it's like, I get that, you know, everyone in the audience has their opinions and their feelings. But at that point, it's like, you know, it's just, it was hard to really understand what was going on. And I I think the panel really suffered from all of that. I do too. And so the next panel that we went to was the Summer House panel, which was moderated by Brian Moylan, who was such a joy to spend time with. He saved Jody and I seats the next day to watch Potomac in Miami. So we we had a ball talking to him. But he comes right out of the gate and he addresses that this is the first time Lindsay and Carl are actually sitting down near each other since their engagement was called off. And like you could hear a pin drop. It was so awkward. And um, Brian told us later that Carl was almost like shaking backstage because he was worried when he came out that people were just going to keep booing and, like what they did to Sandoval. But luckily that didn't happen to Carl. So yeah, I felt like Lindsay controlled the narrative that entire panel. Yeah, it was, I mean, pretty limited kind of what we got out of that. It's like we knew that Lindsay is living in the apartment they shared alone. But all all she really said was like, yeah, we've only talked so that he could like come back and pick stuff up from the apartment from time to time. And like, but, you know, it was a very like, you know, I feel like on the Vanderpump panel where they're talking about, you know, has there been another apology? Has there been this was kind of just like, well, we talk about logistics and we didn't really get much out of it you know when andrea said he was engaged Lindsay had that line of like just don't cancel the wedding you know and it so like, there- god yeah. yeah yeah it was funny because no one knew andrea was engaged or most of them didn't and he had just gotten engaged i guess and so he announced it on that panel 
and invited everyone, which I'm sure that will be awkward for everyone to come. It's in June 2024 in Italy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I felt like he didn't quite get his moment because everyone's so excited for him. But it's a little short lived because by the time, you know, pretty quickly, Lindsay says, just don't cancel it. It's like, well, I mean, we didn't all we really heard was like, he's engaged, it's going to be in Italy, everyone's invited. But you know, he doesn't really like get a moment to celebrate because it kind of took that turn. Yeah. Ugh. So that brings us to Saturday. Uh, so I had a Bravo Palooza that morning, separate from Jody and Sierra and Andrea were in my Bravo Palooza. And towards the end, I actually got to talk to Sierra with like a group of girls for, I don't know, like 20, 25 minutes. They were lovely. Sierra was fantastic. You know, she shared kind of how intense the scheduling is. Like, it's not that they only do stuff on the weekends. It's basically every single day. And, you know, we started talking a little bit about the panel and how she felt about the panel. And I mentioned, like, what I've thought about the Lindsay and Carl breakup, just the aftermath of it. I said it felt like since Lindsay's in PR and the only story we're getting is clearly from a Lindsay perspective that she's kind of monopolizing the story and we haven't really heard anything from Carl. And, you know, Sierra kind of looked at me and she like put her finger on her nose and pointed at me and she's like, smart woman. Um, so she definitely feels like Lindsay is really pushing a narrative and not giving Carl any space to be able to share anything. And I think he feels really guilty. And we, we'll talk in a bit about our conversation with Carl. But I think he feels like he's not even entitled to share his viewpoints on anything, or it's not worth it. Yeah. And I mean, I think I'm glad at least like, you know, I did listen to Lindsay on the vile files. And she did say like, she doesn't think he cheated. Um, you know, so because there were so many stories in the media, and there was nothing that said like, this isn't what happened from her end. So I think then it's just, it could be anything, you know, I mean, if, if all she says is like, I was humiliated and blindsided, then all of those stories about his affair, and you know, no one's fact checking any of that. And so I'm glad that she said that at least, but you know, that took so many months to even get that admission. Yeah, and I didn't listen to the whole podcast. I just saw some of the recaps, but it sounded like she just wouldn't take any accountability of of anything that went wrong in their entire relationship. That's how I took it. And I understand like she's trying to tell this from her perspective and she views it where she's a victim where her fiance ended the engagement and I I understand like I would be livid if it was me, you know, especially since he had just come to her bridal shower and they did a dress feeding and all of that but it does feel like she did know something was up those last few weeks so the word blindsided doesn't seem to be entirely accurate but um it's clear that it was really tough on both of them yeah exactly i think it's one of those where like you know everyone always kind of says like the only people that know you know what's going on in a relationship you know are the people where it's just behind closed doors and so i think that ultimately like with this you know i guess i'll be interested to hear i think carl was scheduled to be on captain lee's podcast too pulled. right 
Oh, it got pulled. I was going to say, I kept looking for it. I think he may have pulled it. I think he was just like, I don't want to. That's my guess after our conversation. Should we talk about our conversation with him just now? Yeah, no, that that's interesting you said that, though, because I kept looking for it and I couldn't find it. So, yeah, yeah, no, it, we had a good conversation with him, definitely. So this wasn't until Sunday, but Carl was in the VIP lounge and we were in there and I kind of loudly said to him, like, I hope you're feeling some love here, Carl, because he didn't look well. Like, he has lost a lot of weight. Um, he seems to be struggling <laughs> at the moment. And it was very obvious, like watching him throughout the weekend. I also went to the Watch What Happens Live and he was there and that was tough too for him. And, you know, he actually came over and talked to Jody and I for a little bit. And what what did you take from that conversation, Jody? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think we're so used to seeing that sort of like gregarious, fun-loving Carl. And so, with this, you know, I, I wasn't sure sort of what to expect of him this weekend. Like I figured it would be, you know, obviously very sobering and very different. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the fact that he kind of took time out to come over and I think he was so appreciative that you said that because, you know, everybody does have these like sort of narratives in their head of like which team they're on and, you know, not knowing that much about it. You know, it's like we all feel like because we watch these people on TV, we know everything about them, everything about their relationships. <laughs> I know. And, you know, all of the comments on Instagram of like, oh, we're so shocked that they broke up. Like, you know, everybody just, you know, has their own feelings. So I think when we talked to him, to me, it was like all of a sudden it clicked for me that I was like, wow, he was really trying as much as people look at it and they're like, oh my God, it's a couple months before the wedding. That's terrible. When we talked to him, I could see it in his eyes. And I was like, he was just trying, trying, trying as long as he could. They're in couples therapy. He's trying to make it work. And I think that, you know, obviously things could have been different right on both ends, I imagine. But I think it really, it was so heartbreaking to sort of see it and talk to him about, you know, how hard it's been, how there's all of these rumors in the press and he really hasn't spoken out. And, you know, it it really, that was, I think probably the conversation that hit me the hardest all weekend because you could just feel his pain. Yeah. He was like in a lot of pain. He said, there've been questions about my sexuality, about my sobriety, about my family And it's been incredibly painful. And he did say in interviews that he had felt that this last few months felt in a way harder than when his brother died. And I asked him about that. I was like, I heard that you said this. Is that what your experience has been? And he said, well, it's different. But when my brother died, he was dead. We accepted it and we were mourning. But with this, it was like the engagement ended and then it's just been nonstop, like, you know, stories and media and everything coming at him. And I don't think he has the PR machine to spin it. I don't think he has the heart to spin it. Um, Sierra told me that she was giving him advice, like what I said, you know, which is like, he needs to put his narrative out there too. Otherwise it sounds like so awful. And, and Sierra's like, I've been telling him that, but I think he doesn't want to argue with her. He knows he's the one that called it off. He wants to take responsibility for that. But at the end of the day, there are two people who are hurting. And I just, I don't want to only focus on Lindsay because that's been the focus for the last few months. 
um, I think Carl's really hurting too. Yeah. And I think, you know, of like the men kind of in the Bravo sphere, you know, this is one where I'm like, logistically, you know, he left the apartment, he's still paying half the rent. I mean, all of those things that like, you know, I I get that there's only so much you can do to kind of make it easier on the other person, especially in this like public life that they live. But, you know, I mean, there's a lot that he (laughs) could have done differently there, as we've seen from Sandoval. Yeah. So it's one of those that like, I think ultimately, and you know, I know it's different renting versus owning and all of those things. But ultimately, like, you know, I think that there's sort of this narrative, you know, that like, wow, he's he's a bad guy. And we've always known that. And we've seen him in the early seasons and the way he treated women. I don't feel like that about Carl. I think that this was a situation that, you know, obviously at the end of the day, like I, they both were really trying to make it work. And I think, you know, just going down the aisle was not the right approach at that point. And that that would have been the one thing that was worse, right, is like to just do that and get divorced. And so I think, you know, my impression from talking to him really was just that that was what I came away with, that really they were doing everything they could to make it work. And and it sounds like, you know, really talking from Lindsay's end, I think hearing, you know, her voice in that podcast was really just that she felt like she was being asked for a relationship that she didn't want. So I'm like, then it sounds like it wasn't a match for you either. It wasn't like from her and everything is perfect. It was just that, you know, I I think a lot of, it wasn't just, Oh, Carl pulled the plug one day. I think it was just, sounds like their expectations weren't lining up, you know, in the end there. Yeah. But man, that conversation, like I, hurt my heart kind of to see how he was. Um, but he said he really appreciated the support. You know, I said, I hope you feel like seeing fans and people who love you, both of you guys um, will give you a little more pep in your step and feel like, you know, you're not alone in this as far as the public is concerned. You know, I'm sure the press has been going at you and hitting you really hard, but the actual viewers probably have love for both of you. Exactly. Yeah. And I think like, you know, to sort of make him the bad guy, you know, I think people are sort of putting him in with like, well, Sandoval's going to be there and Carl's going to be there. To me, like very different planes yeah. of what happened and the type of people they are. And I think like Carl's someone that, you know, I think ultimately like he'll come out of this, you know, this is just a really hard time. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's a good person. And so I, some of these narratives of, well, now he's not, that's when, you know, I think that that's really hard to watch. Cause I think when we had that moment with him, that, that really like shifted, you know, any sort of animosity that, you know, I think people could have had if they had that conversation we did, they, I think they really would have seen it differently. Yeah. And I didn't have any animosity towards either. Like, you know, it's, these are just two people on a TV show that are hurting, right. but right. Um, I don't know if it was Brian Moylan. Someone said that they felt like Lindsay wanted him to get that Tom Sandoval treatment at BravoCon and get booed. And I think it was putting ideas in his head that he was going to get that. And then when it didn't happen, she was a little annoyed but I, I don't remember who said that. It was not me. <laughs> just just yeah, sharing. Because the digs kind of kept happening. Like, She's I feel like digging the, and digging yeah, and digging. One of those where it's like, okay, we can get through the rest of this panel. Without that, we can maybe talk about Danielle and Lindsay's friendship. Or, you know, there were so many things from last season that 
we, you know, but it, it did feel like the undertone of it was like, oh, don't cancel your wedding, Andrea. You know, like all of those little yeah. things that came up. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it's always challenging because I think that women always sort of, you know, you sort of see yourself in some of these situations. In the women. And, yeah, in the role of the know, women, not I, the role I, of the man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think because it is such a female audience, like sometimes I'm like, yeah, you kind of have to step into maybe some different shoes and think about it because it is like relationships take two people. So I think that, you know, I think it, it was interesting from that and to, I think to just talk to him and, and have that chance to kind of hear his side. And at the end of the day, people are allowed to end relationships in any form. Like if you are not in it anymore, then you should end it right? You should not drag the partner along and cheat and all of those things. Just end it. And people are entitled to that as bad as it may make their partner feel. So, um, okay, let's talk about, (laughs) oh, two little things from that um, Bravo Palooza that Sierra was in. So I talked to Dr. Nicole and found out that she was chief resident that is oh, yeah. a big deal. I was like, why don't we know this on the show? And she's like, do you think any of my castmates even know or care what that is? I was like, fair, <laughs> fair. And then Josh Flagg and his new boyfriend never got off the couch. Like, if you wanted to get a photo or talk to them, you had to come to them. <laughs> he wasn't even pretending to have fun, which I appreciated. Yeah, he was only there for a day, right? That's what people kept telling me. Like, oh, he was was barely there um and so yeah he was one that like you know I love the million dollar listing cast so it would have been fun but um yeah I I had no idea he was in a new relationship you know the last season of the show he was dating Andrew and this was not Andrew so that was interesting I was like no there's this other guy I have no idea who he is um and then you were in a different Bravo Palooza that had like so many people including the lovely Terry Maloney who I have always corresponded with because she follows this podcast and I all I wanted to do was meet Terry Maloney. And so I talked my way into getting into this additional Bravo Palooza because I just wanted to talk to Terry and she was just as lovely, lovely as you can imagine. She was so kind and um, like what a wonderful person, truly. Yeah. Yeah, justice for Terry, because I know that uh, she really went through it with Raquel uh, last season. Yeah, and Tom Sandoval. And there's a lot that was cut from that fight. I think it was really, really um, unpleasant. uh, And they were screaming at her. So yeah, that's what it sounded like. And um, so it was that was a good Bravo Palooza because it was Katie, Allie, yeah, Terry was there. Um, so yeah, that was, you know, really exciting. I think for the, I'm a huge Vanderpump Rules fan. So having them all in the same room was really fun. And then having, you know, so we had Sheena earlier, you know, the weekend. Um, so yeah, that was really fun. And, and Allie and Katie are just so They're lovely and lovely. Like really so I, nice. I know I was like, Katie, I'm friendly with your mom. She's like, that's weird. I'm like, she didn't say that, but her face said that. Um, and then Allie, I was like, oh, I'm Mandy. I'm the one who did the reading with you. You know, thank you so much. And so she was like, oh, my God, yes. And she's got to be the most bubbly, kind, like ray of light person that has like ever been on this network. <laughs> my God. 
Yeah, both of them were just like so fun to talk to. And um, yeah, I probably had the, because of the, you know, photo op situation with them, I probably had the longest conversation with Terry. And I was just curious of kind of where things were now with her and Tom. And it sounds like, you know, a lot of things have mended, you know, it sounds like since the last season that we saw everybody. So it's good that, uh, you know, I, I know as a mom, it was probably just so hard for her to go through that, especially publicly. Um, but it was nice to kind of hear now, like, I think things aren't perfect, but that, you know, they've come a long way from where they were. I think so, too. We also got a chance to meet Candace, and we we told her that we were on her flight and that we live in D.C., and it was, she was like, oh, my God, please tell me I acknowledged you on the plane. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, that was so funny. I, like, never saw her without sunglasses the whole weekend. She had them in the airport, on the plane, um, in our Bravo Palooza with her. Um, but I love her. I think she's, we were joking around about like how we'd want them to be like our Bravo parents. And oh, yeah, how her I, and Chris. She and she was so cute. Cause I said like, yeah, mostly I just want the singing talent. And she's like, oh yeah, I would definitely pass that on, you know? Um, so I, I truly think like, she's just such a talent. I mean, she really, there's a lot of housewives that we've seen that have dabbled in the music industry, but she is such a powerhouse voice and such a presence. Like, and I really just, she's so warm. I think people are surprised when you say she's just so nice and friendly, but she really is just so much fun to be around. It was so funny. It was right before the um, Potomac panel. And I was like, so who are you going to come for at the panel? And she's like, whoever comes for me. (laughs) And then watch that panel. And it literally felt like you were watching a live reunion. Like you're watching the show live. It was incredible. I can't wait to watch it back on Peacock. I laughed so hard. Karen, MVP. I mean, she collected everyone. It was I couldn't stop laughing at all of her little one-liners. Yeah, I feel like she was especially funny because, you know, her confessionals are always so shady. And so to have her basically doing a confessional live surrounded by the cast members who could react, you know, in time was just, it was hilarious. And I, yeah, I really felt like that's the only panel where it was like, wow, I'm just watching the show live. It didn't feel, you know, choreographed in any way. Nobody had like a PR front. They were just really fully going for it. Um, and so I really liked that one. It was just so great to like see it. And, and, you know, so much has happened since, you know, that last airing and Karen was of course talking about everything with, with Juan and Robin. So that was really entertaining. <laughs> I think it was tough for Robin cause she did get booed at one point, but I don't think it was just about her withholding stuff about Juan. I think it was also her kind of still holding on to the idea that it was Wendy's fault that Wendy had a drink thrown on her, even when Mia at the panel apologized and said that she was in the wrong. Like, it was very weird that Robin just wouldn't let go of that. And I just think the audience is like, come on, Robin, like, you know, just get it together, be honest. Um, But I just I feel like she's not honest with herself. So how can she be honest with us? Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the sort of fan annoyance with her was, you know, it was like, oh, I'll tell you about this, but you have to pay for it on my podcast, you know? And well, it's been a while since that moment. Like, we haven't seen her since then. 
Right. I mean, when she came on Watch What Happens Live and was like alluding to a lot of those things and Andy was asking questions, it was even then it was kind of hard to get a lot out of her. And so I think that like, yeah, from her end, you know, when she was talking about on the panel, it was like, well, all this happened much, you know, before the show. We weren't dealing with it currently in the marriage. But yeah, I think, you know, as we know from Vanderpump Rules, like the fans like to be told the truth. And when we're not, we're not happy, you know? Right. Right. Um, After that panel, we got to meet Danny Pellegrino, which was a highlight for me. Yeah, that was so great. Because we had just seen a show in DC, you know, the week leading up to BravoCon. And uh, we kept kind of saying like, oh, it'd be cool if we could meet Danny. His show was so great. Um, But I didn't know if we'd have the opportunity to do it. And then when he's, I was wearing my shirt that had my podcast logo on it. And then he looked at it and he was like, oh my God, are you Mandy? I was like, wait, how do you know about me? Yeah, that was so (laughs) That was a big deal. It was also funny the first time that we walked into the BravoCon um, venue, we ran into this like lovely woman um, named Gina, who we befriended and we had such a great time with all weekend. But she had been listening to the podcast and I'm so glad I wore the shirt so I was recognizable to people. Um, and that was really fun too, just to meet people yeah. that actually like listen. And cause sometimes I'm like, oh, who am I speaking to? I have no idea. Yeah, no, that was so fun. And, and I think like, that to me is always so valuable about BravoCon because, you know, you don't have a lot of time to talk to the content creators. And I think with Danny, you know, having just seen his show, like that was such a great show. And I, I'd never seen him live before, so I didn't really know what to expect, but he's just, you know, so much fun. So it was so great to be able to actually talk to him about, you know, how much we loved the show. And um, he did that bit where, you know, cause it was for his book tour, he was going to do like a reading from his book, but instead he read like a passage from Britney Spears's book. <laughs> that was um, so funny. And he just is so witty and like really just, you know, he was on my top list of people I wanted to meet. So it was so cool that we got to chat with him a little bit. Yeah, he was great. And after that, we did a photo op and it was with Dr. Nicole, Julia and Gertie. And I talk about it a bit in the next part of the podcast, but Gertie definitely had to take like some time Um, out and step away. I think it was very overwhelming for her. I think people were coming up to her and telling her their personal um, encounters with cancer and their family cancer stories and stuff. And I just think she was very tired and very overwhelmed, but I was glad we got to meet her. I did speak to Julia in the very little Russian that I know, and she responded and I didn't understand everything she said, but I was like, da, da, spasiva. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I really commend Gertie for being there because I think that was something that I was like not fully expecting her to be at the photo op because I figured like, you know, to be on all weekend and going through treatment, like it, you know, felt like a lot. And then also just, you know, immune system wise, like I wasn't sure sort of what the advice was there. Um, so the fact that she was up there, you know, standing at the photo op, those are, it's a it's a lot and like you said you have to be really on and people are going to talk to you about people in their family that have cancer and um but she I mean I I just basically told her like thank you so much for being here I know it's a lot and she was like oh we do what we do because of you guys and you know she was so great so I think um you know that was really nice to to see her she was great um you stayed on to see the uh, Vanderpump Rules producers panel any fun moments from that 
Yeah, I loved that panel. That was one that I was really looking forward to because, you know, I knew they weren't going to air that one on Peacock. And uh, <laughs> it was interesting. I mean, they talked about how, you know, they sort of had a question of like, well, how did you guys find out about this? Because, you know, they didn't really know. And then um, it was funny because they said that they were all on a Zoom call together, you know, all the producers. And one of them had texted Ariana, like he wanted to pick something up at the house, just like some kind of mundane task that they would do normally. And she said, well, I'm not going to be able to do that right now because I just found out that Tom had an affair for the last seven months with Raquel. Oh um just so like, you know, nonchalant text message. And they were all on the Zoom call together, finding out at the same time. Um, and so that was wild. And there was one producer that I think was a little more removed from this season. I think she just wasn't like she did more post-production, I think. And so she had actually kind of she was the only one that sort of had come up with this, that it was she already kind of knew. And she had said to them, like, are you guys going to ask Andy to ask at the reunion? Like, is something going on between the two of them? Because she was just watching the footage, you know, and had sort of realized what was happening. The other producers were so intricately involved that they were just like, oh, they're friends. You know, people have been saying things. They're just friends. So that was funny. And um, the real tea was that Lisa Vanderpump didn't know. She found out from Andy because... <laughs> They had to, Jax was scheduled to be on Watch What Happens Live that week. And then when they had to shuffle it around so that he wasn't, Andy was talking to Lisa and was like, oh yeah, you know, too bad we can't have Jax. And she had no idea what he was talking about. So she was not thrilled that she found out uh, from, from, you know, not from the producers and from Andy. And uh, the producers were so funny because they're like, yeah, you just really don't want Lisa to be mad at you. It's really scary. <laughs> oh, my God. But this just goes to show that, like, I don't think she's integral to the show of Vanderpump Rules anymore. It's sort of outgrown the role that she had. I would like to see her back on Beverly Hills or some other show, but it feels like Vanderpump Rules should be about the cast and she's no longer their boss. Yeah, that was wild to me that like, because I did feel like we saw so much of her, you know, kind of in that post scandal era of the show, but we didn't see a ton of her, you know, on this season. And the fact that she found out from Andy, to me, I was like, wow, like, with all of the cast and all of the, you know, everyone involved, no one told her except Andy was kind of like, she's clearly, yeah, not, you know, what you would think, especially having, you know, the Toms as her business partners. I mean, somebody would have said something to her. So it's just really interesting to me because it does kind of show how removed she is if that's how she found out about this. Yeah. Okay. Well, after that, I went to the Watch What Happens Live or BravoCon Live taping of Southern Charming House Rules. <laughs> I keep yeah. forgetting what it's called. Um, and I get to ask a question on the after show, and I'm going to post it on my Instagram so you all can see it. But I felt like they weren't giving enough love to the Summer House Martha's Vineyard cast who was there. They had barely said anything the entire time um, except for Amir. And I was like, come on, you know. Let's let me throw him a question because it's such a good show. It had a great first season and I can't wait to see what's coming this next season. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I was glad you did that because the integration of the newer shows felt a little lacking because they would sort of tack them on, you know, to other panels. They didn't have a lot of Q&As with those particular cast members. So I think it's good you highlighted that because, yeah, that cast was not really getting a lot of love. And and so I think it was good to kind of highlight that. Yeah. Um, Well, oh, and then, oh, God, this was like the longest day. Um, we went to Bravo After Dark, which was basically a was supposed to be a VIP club experience that was extremely expensive. But we were like, whatever, we're already just like throwing so much money at this weekend. And we were there and it was this beautiful venue at Omnia a Club and Caesars. And we were on this terrace. It was beautiful weather and you could see the whole strip. But you know, we were there for about 90 minutes before any Bravo Leverty showed up. And there wasn't really the opportunity to mingle with them that it seemed that we would have. It was also just kind of annoying that everyone wanted to keep getting pictures because at this club setting, I thought we could like dance, talk, I don't know, just be normal, like human beings together. And that wasn't exactly possible. Yeah, I think that's always really challenging because, you know, I had gone in 2019, they did like a Vanderpump party and they were all just kind of like in a balcony. So there wasn't much interaction with the cast. Like the Toms had come down and made drinks for a little bit and James was DJing and stuff. But, you know, I think that was a fun party, but it was also sort of limited. Um, So with this, I think, you know, Definitely like a little bit of a missed opportunity because like you said, it would have been nice if it was just more of like a cocktail party. I think every time you're like talking to one of them, somebody's waiting in line for a photo with them. So like, you know, I think we really value those conversations. I think some people just want to get their photo and leave, you know? (laughs) So that's what's tricky about it is like getting everybody together. And, um, you know, I think the the idea was there, but yeah, it's it's hard because you know, a lot of them, there was like sort of a roped off area and, you know, the Dubros and stuff were down, like talking to us, but a lot of them were just only in that VIP area. Yeah. We got to see Vanita and chat with her a bit. I had a great time talking to Bria and Simon from Summer House Martha's Vineyard. Of course, I asked about the dog Milo. He was at BravoCon as well, but he was at the hotel sleeping during this event. Um, It was just, it was fun. You know, I think it could have been better if there was an opportunity to do it again. I probably wouldn't. Uh, But Jody, you came up with a great idea, which was to be able to do either a cocktail party or something with no phones allowed, where you could actually just be with the people and talk to each other. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I think that's one of those where, like, couldn't they just get a professional photographer, you know, because it just, it's so much of like people waiting in line with their phones and it just goes so much faster if it's like, okay, let's like take 10 minutes, get photos out of the way. And then we can actually have conversations because I think that like, there's that tendency of just everyone lining up for a photo and like, you know, it's great to get a selfie, but like, I really value, you know, the conversation we had with Carl or, you know, talking to Sheena's sister, Courtney, like, those are the things I remember more so than like, oh, so-and-so took a selfie with me, you know? Yeah. So I think, you know, people have different ideas about what they want to get out of BravoCon and, you know, you want those Instagram shots and, you know, I'm guilty of that too. But at the end of the day, like, 
it's the conversations that I think are meaningful because, you know, we watch people on TV and to me, it's not just like seeing a celebrity out in the wild where you like their acting. This is like, we know their lives in a different way. So I want to talk to them about that. And I think like, yeah, that's always what's challenging is like those photo op lines don't allow you to have those conversations. Yeah. I mean, I was able to, you know, trying to get a drink at the bar and, um, Terry Dubrow was right next to me and I, and we ended up having a conversation about, you know, gender affirming care for children and him having a transgender son and, you know, navigating that complexity in this world right now. That was so wonderful. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, that's the kind of thing that, you know, it's, it's limited being able to have those conversations because the event, you know, it's, it doesn't really allow for it. Um, but, but that is like, you know, I think <laughs> you get to know them on a different level. And I'm like, those conversations. I feel like I'm the only person that would talk about like gender affirming care at a club. <laughs> No, no, like, I love that you did that. Because I think like, and I, I had thought about when I saw Heather, you know, like I had met her, I think it was maybe a week after my dad passed away that you yeah. know, I was in the line at Hamilton in LA. And uh, it was that period where Heather and her family were on the show, and they were in line with me. And, uh, you know, when I saw her at BravoCon last year, I was like, Oh, yeah, I chatted with you in the line. I said, I missed you guys on TV. But you know, I the real thing there was like, that that was actually kind of helpful for me, you know, because I was grieving. And it was like a fun little distraction to see a housewife that I liked. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to have those like, real conversations, you know, in an environment like that. Where they're just kind of treated like zoo animals, which is what I talked to Josh Flagg about. I was like, do you feel like a zoo animal where you're just kind of like posing for photos and people are just like staring at you and taking photos? It's so weird. Yeah, what did he say? He he was like, he just like laughed. He's like, that's an interesting way to put it. And then um, Tracy was like, Oh my God, he's the worst liar. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you, you hate it here. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so funny. I know I, I made a comment last year to Marcy Shep's cousin, because Shep was just, you know, hurrying everybody through the photo op line and you could just tell. And, and I was like, I said to Marcy, I was like, does he hate this? And she's like, well, he just has been drinking a lot. That was like exactly right after the Taylor breakup. And she's like, he's drinking to cope, but I just don't think that's a good idea for him. I was like, yeah, you know, some of them seem to enjoy it more than others. And, you know, I know you and I talked, like you have to be on all day, every day. People are taking photos. Like, I think that there's this tendency of people to be like, well, that's their job. But like, it's exhausting for us as participants. So I don't, I mean, for them, it's like all day, every day, they have shows at night and they have their glam and they have, I mean, it's like, that's a rich full day. And some of them are not 21, you know? (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, it was exhausting. So we went to bed, we get up like a few hours later and do our third day of BravoCon, which thankfully starts with seeing DJ James Kennedy and Allie for a photo op. Um, she was like laughing. She's like, oh, my God, we're best friends. This, like, we're getting brunch tomorrow. <laughs> like, so we just kept seeing her. You know? I love that. And James was just, he loves this. You know, he's got an ego. He loves being loved. And he loves performing. And so I think he was just having a great time. And it was fun to have that energy. Um, I'm trying to think of what else happened that day. Oh, the Beverly Hills panel was, and the Southern Charm panel were very interesting. I think 
it was clear at the Beverly Hills panel that Kyle still has a bit of an issue with Sutton and there may be taking some time, but Sutton didn't know. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, yeah. Just, it was, it was a lot. It was interesting. Um, you know, sometimes the fan questions were very cringy because they were a little antagonistic or the fan was drunk, which again, if you're drinking, you should just like not go near a microphone ever. <laughs> just like doesn't end well. But um, and I think also on Instagram, a lot of the negative comments and questions have been amplified because I didn't think there were that many. But the, like the ones that are, you know, going after Jennifer Aiden for being up Teresa's asshole. And, you know, there was one kind of going after Kyle. Why do you keep trying to make Teddy happen? It's like I, we're not learning anything new from these questions. They're just I meant know. to like make the talent uncomfortable. And I don't know what you get from that. Yeah. And there was like that question to Tom Sandoval, like, well, why are you here? Like nobody likes you. That was terrible. Like, at a certain point, it's like, you know, from an entertainment perspective alone, right? It's like, we weren't going to have Raquel on this season. They really needed Tom. And I think that that's one of those where it's like, you know, for him to show up, like I know Lala kind of said that you have to give him a little bit of credit there that he showed his face. I mean, he never stopped showing his face. He needed like, to, you know, he did that tour. And I know a lot of people are like, it's so cringy. He went on the, you know, tour with his band, but like he wasn't making money. I mean, you get dropped from a bunch of deals when that happens. And so for a fan to be like, why are you here? It's like, well, he's obviously here. He's still on the show. Like, I think people just want the people they don't like to disappear, but like he's an original cast member, you know, like I think to me, it's, it is a little like credit where credit is due. And I think that like signing up for the show again, we knew he was going to do it. He has an ego. He's going to do it. But like, you know, he got booed enough. So by the time that question came around, I was kind of like, come on, you know? I know. Come on. Well, let's get to Monday, which was my other favorite interaction besides Carl, which was we were at the airport. I mean, I looked like absolute shit. I think I started coming down with a cold. Like, I was just not feeling my best. And who walks in but a beautiful Heather Gay and Angie Kay. And Angie, we had met earlier that week, and she was so nice. Her husband was so nice. Like a very different energy than I had felt from her on screen, which made me wonder if there was maybe a different aspect of her personality, which we actually got to see this week on um, on the show. But <laughs> it was so funny. Her and her husband went through security, and then immediately after security, you get on a tram. And so she went on the tram, and Heather was left like trying to figure out which tram to go on. And <laughs> She was like lost. So we ended up talking to her and like taking the tram. And like you told her, what did you tell her? Yeah, that was so fun because, you know, her book tour, you know, was in DC at Sixth and I, which is like our local synagogue that I'm a member of. And um, she, it, it was, you know, she's so great and so personable. Um, and, but basically, <laughs> they had given her a moderator that just, 
wasn't great, was very critical of kind of her journey. And it's like, you know, we know she has a book called Bad Foreman. <laughs> She's at a synagogue. Like, you know, get, but give her, you know, some grace here. And um, it was just a very, like, negative moderator. And so basically... I told her how much fun it was at the book tour and I didn't want to be the one to say the moderator, but she was like, so that moderator was, and I was like, not good. That moderator was not good. Um, so we had a nice conversation about that. And, um, you know, she, she really, I think of the people that I've met at BravoCon, she's just one of the nicest, most down to earth, like, um, we had joked at the, last year, she told me that her daughter was going to be a bad Mormon for Halloween. <laughs> so funny. And she just is so fun. And like, I really, you know, I think sometimes her personality comes out on the show. And then sometimes, you know, people don't really get her. And I think when you talk to her in person, you see that like really bubbly fun side of her. She was lovely. When we told her that Six and I was our synagogue, she was like, oh my God, that was my favorite venue for the book tour. It's such a beautiful space. And you know, I told her I had this like Bravo podcast and she's like, oh, is it going to make me cry because like you guys are mean or um, yeah. is it tikkun olam, which in Judaism, it means repair the world. And I was like, no, no, I think it's a little more tikkun olam, I hope, you know, I hope it wouldn't oh, make you cry. Um and she was like telling us how growing up she knew some kids who were Jewish and she got invited to their bar and bat mitzvahs and she tried to learn the prayers and she even like recited. She was like, Baruch Atad. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. Heather, you were too funny. And she just, she said, I said, anytime you're in town, I can make, you know, invite you to Shabbat dinner for real. And she was like, I would love that and said that she's writing another book and wants to come on tour again and go to Sixth and I. So I don't know, maybe yeah, I'll pitch well, myself as a moderator. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, she really deserves the best of moderators because she's just, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what, you know, we didn't really talk about the subject matter of, of the next book. I assume it's kind of everything that's come since Bad Mormon came out. It sounds like a, a journey. But um, yeah, I think, you know, of the housewives, to me, she's really so relatable. I mean, I think some of them just live a lifestyle that, you know, a little hard to relate to. But um, I was joking with her. She's like a housewife for the people because, you know, she she had lied about her weight. Um, that scene <laughs> where they were sitting on the ice. And uh, that was my favorite part was she turned, you know, to someone else and was like, uh, I hope it's okay when I lied about my weight. And uh, yeah, she just is so funny and like witty. And but, like, I really can we talk yeah. about her weight. She fucking looks gorgeous. She is stunning. Her body is beautiful. Like, aside from all of that, I cannot believe that she gets body shamed by Mary Cosby. No, I just, I, I, she's gorgeous. Like, I, I like her for her personality, right? But like, on the side, she's beautiful. Yeah, that Watch What Happens Live with Mary, when she made that comment of like, oh, that must be a knockoff. Like, she, you know, I don't think they make that in a size 14. It's like, it's just so ridiculous, so unnecessary. So like you said, I mean, she she just is so beautiful and it's all of it. It's just, it's so terrible. I mean, there's the funny sort of shady one-liners that they have. And then there's that. And I just don't have any room for it. I don't think it's funny or clever when they body shame each other. Yeah. And I say that even when Candace does it, like we laugh, but it's, it's like, come on, you're clever enough to come up with one-liners that don't have to do with someone's body or their age 
or any of that stuff. So, um, and speaking of Mary, I don't know if you saw this, but there was some tabloid article. Apparently, her son, Robert Jr., and his wife, like, post on social media pictures of themselves doing drugs and, like, think no oh, yeah. one's going to catch on. And there's, like, pictures of them doing, like, lean and have, like, coding. They don't even, like, blur the prescription, like, who wrote it and who it's for. And, like, other drugs. Thing. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy that this is going on in her house and she has something negative to say about everyone else. Yeah, it's like as if it wasn't enough of a red flag that they got married without telling her, even though they all live in the same house. Uh, now we have, yeah, these drug videos that, I mean, no question about it when you see those shots that, uh, yeah, it's like marijuana, I think prescription codeine, there's all kinds of things going all on. All kinds but, of yeah. pills, like what yeah. are you doing? You know, it, you should be smart enough not to put that on social media. Right? I don't know. Yeah, like yeah, the whole thing. And like you said, the fact that it's like going on, you know, under her own roof, is just, it's, it's very strange. And I think like, you know, I think people have really struggled with her this season, because I think initially, some people were kind of like, okay, like, you need to have somebody there, you know, Jen's gone. But for me, it's like, this is just not work. She hasn't participated. It's not funny anymore. Like, I just, we need somebody that's going to actually get out of the sprinter van at events, you know? Yeah, I I find her funny as the Greek chorus, but she doesn't seem to be the Greek chorus, really. She seems to be mean. And I thought this past week's episode of Salt Lake was so good and she wasn't in it at all. So I'm not sure that we need her. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just don't think she has much added value at this point. Like I think that, you know, we can just have, you know, little girl on a t-shirt and just retire her <laughs> to the real housewives hall of fame. But yeah, I, I just, I think that it was sort of like, okay, what's this going to be like having her back in the mix? You know, she has all this history but yeah, it's it's too mean. I think, you know, I, I like when they have their little, yeah, witty one-liners, but if it's just mean and it's not funny, which is kind of how I am with her at this point, yeah. it's like, and nothing's good enough. You know, the pizza's not good enough. There's just, it's like not. It's the waiters no don't work hard enough. They're lazy. Like, it's like, come on, you know, can you give us some levity? Is there anything you enjoy in life? You know? Yeah, it's just like not fun to watch. And I think that like, I understand the thought of bringing her back, but like, I don't want her back again. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm there with you. I think the comment, uh, the, uh, all of the comments on Watch What Happens Live sort of solidified it for me. Like part of it's like watching to see what she does or says, because you can't predict it, which is what is so amusing and entertaining. But when what she's saying is so harsh and so mean, it's like, ugh. That doesn't feel good watching it, you know? No, I, I think that's one of those where it's like, you know, they needed someone that could really like bring it. And I just, to me, she's not quite the right fit. Like she's just going to kind of sit there and say negative things. But without participating, it's kind of limited what she can do. Right, right. Um, well, we have recapped BravoCon for over an hour. <laughs> so, um, Jody, thank you so much for being on. Want to have you back on just to chat about the actual shows um, at some point. So we'll definitely do that. Tell everyone where they can find you on social media and anything else you might want to plug. 
Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. You were the best BravoCon buddy. So I loved that. We had we so had much fun. Like so much that. fun. Yeah, it was so much fun. Um, and yeah, you can find me at Jody Get Insta. That's J-O-D-I Get Insta. And um, yeah, looking forward to coming back on sometime. Thanks, Mandy. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I am here with Nicole Sanchez, who I met on the BravoCon Facebook page when <laughs> I had an extra Bravo Palooza ticket to sell, and I gave it to Nicole. So she wanted to make sure I was a real person and not a scammer, and she looked me up and found out that I do a podcast. So I was like, you should come on after BravoCon and we can we can chat. How are you doing yeah. today? I'm doing good. Um, you know, just uh, another hectic morning at home, but <laughs> I know. Yeah, still trying to like you know get everything together from being gone and everything. I just unpacked last night, so it's like wow, that was kind of weird for me. Well, actually, I went to BravoCon on Thursday. I flew in, and I actually didn't come home until Tuesday. Um, because the flights on Monday were so expensive and uh, it was like way cheaper to stay another night and fly home on Tuesday. And so I did that. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and Vegas is one of, those, going. <laughs> one of those towns that like an additional night really does you in. Like it's, it's not yeah. meant for more than a couple nights. It's just too much. I felt like yeah. after... BravoCon, I needed to be in a sensory deprivation tank because there was so many lights, so many sounds, like mm -hmm. so much happening, like not just at BravoCon, but in Vegas, it was just overwhelming. Yeah, yeah it's really overwhelming. And um, like, uh, I went to BravoCon on my own. But uh, one of my best friends, she she didn't want to go to BravoCon, but she just wanted to go to Vegas. And so she flew in on Saturday afternoon. Um, and, you know, Sunday, she kind of did her own thing. And then from like Sunday evening, all the way to Tuesday, we were like hanging out and stuff. And so um, we went to Vanderpump Paris on Tuesday for dinner and everything. How and, was that? Um, it was really, really good. Um, it was super busy. Oliver was there being, you know, just being a waiter. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I took a picture with him. I felt kind of bad because he was clearly like really busy. But um, when we were leaving, he was uh, doing something at like the, you know, uh, POS system. And I walked by and I just said, can I have a picture with you real fast? And he was super nice and, and everything. Um, but yeah, the drinks were really good. They were strong. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, they, yeah, they, we had a good time. <laughs> I only had two drinks, but I think that was like the most, you know, tipsy I was all weekend. Um, and then we had, we basically did appetizers for dinner and uh, we pretty much just had cheese for dinner because <laughs> um, they had like their own variation of like goat cheese, cheese balls. And then uh, they had this whole cheese platter, but it was in this like birdcage thing. Like, oh the my presentation God. was really, yeah, it was, it was like, 
like next level, but it was really, really good. We had a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. (laughs) It was so crowded there all the time. And then the Mm -hmm. garden one that's in Caesars, there was a line out the door like the entire time we walked by. It was just so crowded. That one's a lot smaller. I went there one time like a couple years ago with my husband. Um, And yeah, I kind of figured it was going to be like just too crowded all weekend because it's a lot smaller and you know, everyone wants to go there. And so, um, but Paris, we were able to get reservations uh, for Monday night. So that worked out well. Nice. Oh, that's so fun. So at BravoCon, did you have any interactions with any Bravo celebrities that you felt were really great or not so great? Yeah, I had a lot of interactions, actually. Uh, All of them were pretty great. The only one that I felt like wasn't great, and it was not the, you know, Bravo Liberty's fault. Um, It was on Friday morning, like first thing, I went into the VIP room, I was still kind of like getting my bearings, like, you know, because when you walk in, it's like overwhelming. Um, So I was still kind of just like trying to figure everything out. And then uh, Craig and Shep walked in. And so I went and I uh, met Craig and took a picture with him. And he was like trying to talk to me. And I was still so just like, I don't know what to say, like what to do, you know. And so I felt like that was so awkward. And he's probably like, oh, this girl is weird. No, 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 no. I think they're overwhelmed too, right? Yeah. It's just there's so much happening. Yeah. And he was so nice. He was like, oh, you know, let's take a picture. And um, are you having a good time? And, you know, I'll, he was he was really, really sweet. Um, and but after that, I think, uh, you know, I kind of got it together and everyone else was uh, super nice. I I tried to like make a little bit of conversation with everybody because I went last year and I felt like last year all of my interactions were so like awkward and I didn't know what to say and I felt you know just kind of I don't know I felt like a dork and so this year I was like okay I need to like you know um like talk to them and you know like okay what am I going to say to each person and stuff and so um you know I I felt like I felt good about about everybody and actually uh in the Bravo Palooza that um you gave me your ticket to uh I had a lot of uh, really good interactions in there, including um, Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we were in there and uh, I had seen Andrea from Summer House, um, Monica from uh, Salt Lake City, uh, Dr. Nicole from Miami, Sam from Summer House. And, um, you know, I was like getting my second drink and, uh, I turned around and the Toms walked in. And so, and everybody like, it seems like a lot of people went immediately to take pictures with them, but then I could also hear people like over by me, you know, saying like, Oh God, like, you know, yeah, (laughs) not really wanting to see them. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not like, I don't love them obviously um I feel kind of the same way that you know most people do but I'm also not one to like be rude or you know I'm kind of like uh I'm not confrontational or you know anything yeah, like that me, me neither. So, I'd be yeah, interested like- to like talk to Sandoval about 
how have you been navigating the hate both in person and online? Mm -hmm. Like, how are you dealing with this with your mental health? You know, you've said that you've gotten sober and hadn't had a drink. Like, has Mm -hmm. that been helpful? Because I cannot imagine the being on the receiving end of what he Mm -hmm. has been on the receiving end of whether or not he deserves it, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I actually... I, you know, I don't know if respected is the right word, but I, um, I appreciated that he was even there because I, I was thinking like, if I were him, I would be like concerned for my safety, <laughs> you know, cause you never know like what people are going to say or do or, you know, and some people were like very passionate, um, uh, you know, against him. And so I was, I appreciated that he was there and, uh, you know, he did all the appearances and everything and he seemed to take everything in stride. Um, and when I went to say hi to him, um, I talked to him a little bit about special forces. Um, oh, nice. Because my brother uh, was in special forces um, for 10 years in oh, the army. Amazing. And um, so I, I went up to, you know, Tom and I said like, Hey, my brother was in special forces for 10 years. Like um, I love that you went on the show and, um, and he was super nice. He said, you know, Oh, like that's so cool. And uh, everything that we did on the show is obviously so much less than what they do, what they go through. And, you know, um, so it was nice that he kind of acknowledged that he wasn't trying to be like, Oh, yeah, I'm in the army, too. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Oh, my God. Of course. not. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he was he was really nice. Uh, And then, you know, we got a picture together. And then uh, Schwartz, I told him that uh, my friends and I went to Schwartz and Sandy's back in January uh, for my 40th birthday trip. We went with our husbands to LA and I wanted to go to Schwartz and Sandy's. Um, And so we went and I was just telling him how everybody loved it. We like ordered all the appetizers and everything was so good. And so Schwartz was like really appreciative to, to hear that. And he's like, Oh my God, thank you so much. Oh, that means so much. (laughs) You know, that's so nice. Yeah. Well, I want to get into this week's shows because we have four Housewives shows airing at the same time, which is so hard to keep up with. But my favorite, Potomac, is back and Mm -hmm. wanted to get started with that. So, you know, on this episode, we finally get to see Giselle with Jason from Winter House. That was fascinating. Mm -hmm. It did seem like they had kind of a flirty dynamic that maybe they've been seeing each other for a while, you know, th- her kids yeah. are around him. What did you make of like the interactions between Giselle and Jason on the show? Well, I was really surprised that he was on the show because in the past, you know, she seems to uh, want to whoever she's dating or seeing or even like Jamal, they're kind of kept away. And so I was I was surprised to see him and I especially like right away. You know, I thought maybe like they would ease into it a little bit if he made like an appearance here and there. But it was like, bam, like we're at home, you know, making breakfast or whatever. And but I thought they were really cute together. And I am happy for Giselle. I think that she has definitely had some uh, not so great luck uh, in the men department. And so I think, you know, for her to just be having fun and, you know, whatever they're doing, um, 
Yeah, I was really happy for her. I thought they were so cute together. I did too. It seemed kind of fresh and fun and flirty. I really hope it's real. Mm -hmm. I think it's real. Because why else would he agree? Um, Even if he's doing it for fame, you know, I think there's still something real there. Now, Ashley seems pretty hesitant to finalize her divorce, which Mm -hmm. I understand because, you know, she gets money from him. And I think she's scared to have that kind of cut out from her and be 100% independent, which I get. Mm -hmm. But then we also get to see Mia and Gordon and the fallout from him being kicked out of his family's business and not having any income. And they had to move from this like huge house to a condo that's 1,500 square feet. It felt so wild to watch the interaction between Mia and Gordon. It was almost as if they hadn't like spoken before filming. (laughs) Like they hadn't been talking to each other. Like what Mm -hmm. did you make of that conversation? I think by now it's, I don't know. I don't want to say it's obvious, but, um, you know, we kind of know that a big reason that Mia was with Gordon was, you know, because he was very, uh, you know, wealthy and could give her like a certain lifestyle. And so I think now, uh, you know, obviously she's, I don't know how to explain it. When the money dries up, she's gone. Yeah, exactly. Like she, you know, it's, that part of like her love for him is not there anymore. (laughs) Right. Because Um, if, you know, the kind of agreement was I mm -hmm. am this sexy arm candy and I'm your hot younger wife, you give me children and security away. You took Mm -hmm. away the security. I'm out. Yeah. She's pretty transparent about it, I think. Yeah. And I was, I was actually surprised that their downsizing was like actually downsizing. I feel like a lot of times on these shows, they're like, oh, we had to downsize, but they're still in like 4,000 square feet, like house, you know? (laughs) And so it's like, well, that's not really downsizing, but you know, maybe for you, but that's still like huge. But yeah, they're in, you know, a condo the size of like my condo. (laughs) So they're like, oh, wow. (laughs) Now it's real relatable. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Um, Then we see Candace, Wendy and Karen meeting up for drinks. I'm always Mm -hmm. trying to figure out where they are if they meet up in DC or not. I thought it was maybe somewhere in the wharf, but they never showed the name of the place. So Mm -hmm. they are talking about how they believe Robin just needs to take some accountability for not sharing what happened between Juan and some woman in Canada and a hotel receipt on the show Mm -hmm. while there was this active kind of storyline going after Candace and Chris. And Wendy believes that, you know, she's been deflecting and projecting. And then we kind of actually get to see her and Juan sit down and talk. And I -hmm. felt like he was very dismissive of her feelings, almost made it seem as if like he's going to do whatever he's going to do and who cares what people think. And it Mm -hmm. just felt very bizarre. I mean, what did you make of her actually believing his story? Do you think she really believes it? Uh, I don't know. I It's hard to tell if she really believes it or if they, you know, have had conversations behind the scenes, sort of like, uh, you know, this is our story, like we're sticking to it. But I kind of feel like she really wants to believe everything he's saying. 
I mean, even though I feel like it's so obvious, <laughs> it's obviously like ridiculous. And, you know, I think that he's always been sort of, I don't know, dismissive of her feelings, but he definitely is not comfortable on camera. He doesn't want to talk about anything on camera. He never wants to, you know, have any like tough conversations on camera. And I, he just seems kind of over it at this point. And um, I think he probably feels like, oh, oh, you know, we've already talked about this. You did the podcast, you know, like we're done with it now. We're not going to talk about it anymore. And, you know, she's on this show where obviously they're going to talk about it. And they didn't, it wasn't on last season at all. So now it's like the new season and people are still upset about it, understandably. I mean, Candace especially, I think, uh, you know, with everything that happened last year with people, you know, going after Chris and, um, and sorry, I'm like. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm they were all going after Chris and, <laughs> yeah. and just Robin was defending her, but mm-hmm. I think she should have been more forthcoming with what was going on in her life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think people are still kind of salty about that she did it. She talked about it on her Patreon. And so it was like she did it behind like a paywall. And, you know, I'm sure they got a lot of subscribers and, um, you know, a good amount of money from people who wanted to hear about it on their Patreon uh, instead of just doing it on the show where, you know, like, this is her job. <laughs> right. No, I felt the same way. I just felt like, come on, you got to be transparent with us. This yeah. maybe it wasn't as big of a deal to you, right? Mm-hmm. You like decided it wasn't going to be a thing and you had dealt with it and you weren't going to talk about it, but you did withhold that information. And it yeah. also clearly did bother you more than you're letting on because now that mm-hmm. other people know about it, you're embarrassed. And yeah. It was really interesting to see Giselle be so honest with her. Like, come on. Yeah. You know, this, you're being delusional and bring together Ashley and Charisse. All three of them mm-hmm. have dealt with husbands who cheated, who told them yeah. lies. I mean, Charisse, I've never been a huge fan of, but, he, you know, seeing her cry and say that mm-hmm. she just kept looking the other way and kept trying to make things work. And he left in the end anyhow. Yeah, that was sort of like, is this maybe a sign to Robin that if you don't respect yourself, how is he Mm -hmm. supposed to respect you? You know? Yeah, I think that when Cherie said that, that was the part where it was like, oh, that's the part that I was like kind of worried about. Um, Because I think either Robin is like looking the other way or they do have some sort of agreement or she's you know, choosing just to believe everything he says, which I mean, I get like, they're a family, they want to keep the family together. They've been together for so long. And at this point, maybe it is easier for her to just move on than to, you know, go through a whole divorce again and all that stuff. But then, you know, when Cherie said that, it was like, yeah, like if he, if they go through all this and then what if he does end up just leaving, that's going to be like, that's really bad. Yeah, it'll be devastating for Robin. Mm-hmm. And I hope that yeah. that isn't the situation, you know? Yeah. Um, want to move over to Salt Lake City. This okay. was a very iconic episode. I felt yes. like I haven't laughed that hard in so long. It was so much going on. 
you know, the fighting mm-hmm. and the sound bath and all of that. It really <laughs> felt a little bit like BravoCon where your senses were in overdrive. So yeah. we get to see Angie and Monica have this really nice sit down where Monica opens up mm-hmm. about the issues with her mom. And then we finally hear more about Angie's background and that, yeah. you know, her mom was an alcoholic who wasn't really able to be there as a mother, as a present mother for her mm-hmm. and died when Angie was only eight and that she didn't have yeah. a mom to help guide her through those really important years. And I think a lot of us, you know, kind of had some negative feelings towards Angie on the show. We thought she was really mm-hmm. thirsty. She seemed kind of annoying and like pushing herself into the show a bit. Yeah. But for whatever reason, this episode really, I don't know, I did like a 180. I'm like, wow, she mm-hmm. has more to her. It seems more natural. She seems to actually be friends with these women. And it doesn't seem yeah. as like she's trying so hard. Yeah, I felt like I felt like in this episode, she was, you know, much more genuine. And I was pleasantly surprised that she was able to like sit down with Monica and work it out and that they, you know, can actually like move on and hopefully continue their friendship, Um, especially since they, you know, clearly they have a lot in common, um, maybe have been through not similar things, but similar feelings um, with their moms. And so, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised um, by her because I, you know, she seemed so far to be like pretty much every interaction she has with somebody they're like arguing or fighting or, you know, so it was nice to see them actually resolve and decide to move on, you know, with their friendship. Yeah. Also meeting Angie at BravoCon and her husband, they do seem mm-hmm. so lovely. They seem to get along with other people on the show. You know, it, it doesn't yeah. seem to be this. I don't know where they're trying so hard. It just seemed pretty natural when we were at BravoCon. Mm-hmm. Now, Monica was very ostracized at BravoCon. They didn't have her with any other member of the cast the entire oh. weekend. And then this week, we find out that there's this lawsuit between her and Beauty Lab and Laser, where Beauty Lab yeah. and Laser um, sued her for not paying for her full contract. I guess she mm-hmm. signed a contract to get injections over a period of time and she was supposed to pay like monthly payments and she wasn't doing that. Um, yeah. Now, this contract was signed in 2019. So I think it's really interesting that four years later, this lawsuit mm-hmm. is happening. But then Monica countersued and said that they did a botched injection. Um, which it's just like, if you countersued, like you didn't do this immediately after the botched injection, Mm -hmm. you did this after you were sued and word on the street. And I guess this is all allegedly is that she Mm -hmm. kept showing up for services and under different aliases. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. (laughs) I did not hear that part. So oh, wow. who knows just, like, what's, what's true, but Beauty Lab and Laser <laughs> yeah. has a really good reputation from mm-hmm. what I understand. Uh, and it's, you know, Monica seems to have a history of not being able to pay her bills, having bad credit. Yeah. She couldn't, you know, own her own car. So her mm-hmm. mom had to do it and then she made the payments. But in the end, like, even if you make the payments, if you're not able to secure it on your own, then... Yeah. Like how, I don't know. So yeah, it seems like she's on the I, outs with the cast. 
I also heard this week, I forget where I heard it, but I think it was on another podcast I was listening to. They mentioned it. Um, apparently, uh, Monica's mom, I don't know if it was she tweeted or put on Instagram or something, but she said that uh, with the car situation, she didn't take it away. She said it was repossessed because Monica hadn't been making payments. So that was interesting, uh, you know. Yeah. There seems to be a pattern of her living Mm -hmm. beyond her means, which, you know, I feel bad. Like she had this husband and I'm sure he provided for her and the girls, but now she has to live under a smaller budget all while Mm -hmm. being on the show where people spend a little more extravagantly. So yeah, it's, yeah, I feel for her and I like her in these scenes and I feel like she's bringing Mm -hmm. so much, but if she's not an authentic friend to the group, then yeah. I don't know how she can move forward on the show. I'm very curious to see how the reunion will go. Yeah, I actually, like, I love her on the show. I think she's, you know, a great addition. And she's definitely, you know, been in the mix. Um, she's not afraid to, you know, have a confrontation. Or <laughs> yeah. even, you know, especially with Lisa. Um, I mean, she's, I feel like she's the first one who's really going, like, toe-to-toe with Lisa. Um, and not backing down and not, you know, afraid to just say like whatever she wants to Lisa. And I mean, it makes for great, you know, TV. Um, so I mean, I hope that she, I hope that she can sort of get it together and, uh, you know, hopefully be friends with everyone. But yeah, if she's, if nobody's friends with her and nobody wants to film with her or talk to her, then yeah, it's, it's hard to, to go on with the show. Yeah, we will have to see what happens with that. I mean, what did you make of Lisa Barlow kind of questioning whether Monica is really in an abusive situation? Or even Mm -hmm. if she is an abusive situation, she also is abusive towards other people? Yeah, I mean, I love Lisa Barlow, but I felt like she kind of went too far with um, you know, those like accusations or her assessment, as she said, because especially, especially it's like, well, Monica didn't ask for your opinion. So like, why are you even saying it? And then, you know, when Whitney was trying to explain to Lisa, you know, exactly like how she's, um, her mother is abusive and, you know, how they have like a, this horrible relationship and all of that. And then Lisa says, like, oh, it's convenient or, uh, you know, basically saying that that Monica is like making it up or exaggerating. And I liked I felt like Whitney had a good uh, stance. You know, she was just kind of like, I think she can relate to Monica. And, you know, because we know now that she was in an an abusive situation in her childhood. And so I think, um, you know. Uh, in that sense, she she feels for Monica and and relates to her. Um, but yeah, that whole fight at the sound bath was, that was crazy. insane. I mean, this this jewelry pop up shop, and they're doing the sound bath, and they both of them needed to have the last word. It, did you yeah. feel like one went lower than the other, or were they both kind of equal sparring partners? Um, I feel like for the most part, they were equal. I didn't love when Monica was, you know, talking about Lisa's age or, you know, um, appearance and that sort of thing. Cause 
you know, obviously that's always a low blow. Um, but also when Lisa said nobody wants to be her mother, I was yeah, like, oh, that God, was, Lisa. Mm, that reminded me of like Marlo going after Kenya mm-hmm. about like your yeah. mom doesn't want you. It, it was terrible, you know, but it was also <laughs> funny because it was happening during the sound bath. If I was Whitney, yeah. I would be pissed, you know, because this, yeah. you know, she's trying to sell jewelry but then does mm-hmm. Whitney secretly like it because this is for the show and it's good for the show? I, I don't know. We'll have to see yeah. how how yeah. she takes it. I also thought Whitney's daughter's birthday was so cute. Oh, my gosh. I love Bobby. She was, When she was getting her makeup done, yes. she's like, I have eyebrows. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> it was adorable. That girl is yeah. so sweet. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I was a little worried when Mo- uh, Monica, when Whitney uh, was talking about the golf cart and how Bobby can just drive her brother to school and, you know, drive Whitney around. And I'm like, I don't think that she can. <laughs> She's still only 13. <laughs> like, she can't just drive a vehicle over to the grocery store, you know. <laughs> I'm wondering if they, because it looks like they live in a community that mm-hmm. probably has its own pool and its own, you know, maybe there's an elementary school within that community and stuff. Because I know yeah. in like South Carolina and in Florida, people drive their golf carts around within the community. I don't know what the rules mm-hmm. are about age and stuff. But if it's only a yeah. few blocks away, I can see how she was thinking that would also be helpful. But yeah. I'm like, what is this layout? How are you teaching her? <laughs> you know, yeah. she does seem to be quite a responsible 13 year old, you know, but she's still a kid. Yeah, that kind of made me like a little, oh, I don't know if that's, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, is she going to be wearing a helmet? <laughs> right? Yeah, I have no yeah. idea. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was really cute. No, I thought the yeah. whole, and the only other thing that I just really appreciated in this episode was Lisa and Heather having an actual conversation about their feelings related to Jack's mission and Heather not yeah. being invited to that brunch and you know, mm-hmm. Heather being able to articulate, it feels like I was kicked out of this church for kind of breaking one rule almost. And yeah. you get to break whatever rules you want and you're still mm-hmm. part of it. Like you get to do whatever you want and that just feels yeah. unfair. And I feel like Lisa understands that. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that that conversation and how they were both able to sort of, you know, say their feelings. And uh, it seemed like it ended okay. Like, you know, they we're both moving on. Um, and I feel like I understand uh, Lisa, you know, wanting to protect Jack and um, just uh, not wanting to hear anything negative about it. Because I get the sense that she doesn't necessarily want Jack to go, you know, on the mission. Yeah. Um, you know, she was like upset when she learned about it. And but I think she is just trying to be like as supportive as she can. And so if Heather's there, you know, telling her all this, you know, Oh, this is what they do. And uh, you know, I, I don't like this and stuff like that. That's kind of, I think Lisa's just like, I'm just trying to be supportive. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how Jack is when he comes back from his mission. Although I did hear at BravoCon that he's still not in Colombia because the oh. visa has not been processed yet. Mm. 
So I don't yeah, know that'll how be long interesting. that's going to take, but you know, yeah. I hope he's able to get it and go because this seems to be what he wants. But mm-hmm. you know, I'm very against the idea of missions, and especially yeah. for the purpose of just converting people from whatever they yeah. believe to whatever you want them to believe. So yeah, it feels very like Spain taking over California, that yeah. sort of thing. You know, just like converting people and making them do it and yeah like it the, feels it feels yucky the inquisition yeah, sure. and yeah mm-hmm. they forced all the jews to convert and then banished the rest of them so yeah i have personal feelings <laughs> <about laughs> proselytizing um yeah let's head over to beverly hills so okay. the ladies are in vegas which just felt like oh my god we were just there watching this was like too much yes. I was like, I oh, I can't like handle triggering. the like watching them walk through casinos. Like it was, mm-hmm. ugh, I just hated all those lights and the sounds and the smoke. I just, I couldn't. Yeah. Um, so they're celebrating Crystal's 40th birthday, but I feel like they mm-hmm. keep cutting Crystal out of the episodes. Yeah, I felt like, you know, this episode, she was in it a little bit more, but the first couple episodes, she was maybe like, I don't know, 30 seconds of <laughs> They would cut to her like a little clip of her and Rob talking and then, you know, go over to someone else. Um, But I felt like in this one, she was in it a little bit more, obviously, because it's her birthday. But yeah, they she seems to either be getting cut out or just not like really in the mix as much. Um, I think she's been in the mix. I think they just cut those Mm -hmm. scenes. So she did say in Mm -hmm. an interview this week that when everything was happening with Garcelle and Dorit, when Garcelle was saying, I don't know if I can trust you all with regards to my family, that Mm. Crystal stood up for Garcelle and was like, hey, if this had been me, I would feel the exact same way. And that that was cut. And it's like, why was that cut? Like, could we have had just Mm -hmm. like a few seconds less of Magic Mike? You know, I yeah, exactly. <laughs> just to see because that's such an interesting conversation to see Garcelle. Mm-hmm. This only happened last year. She's trying to make these friendships with the women work, but mm-hmm. she's guarded because of what happened. Yeah. And I think it's less about Erica and more mm-hmm. about Kyle and Dorit. Yeah, about them like laughing and yeah. sort of making light of it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, um, Erica, you know, yelling at her son and then, then them laughing and all that stuff. Um, obviously that was like really, really bad, but I think, uh, a lot of it also is the bots and, you know, her son getting all this, like, Oh my God, really, I really bad stuff online. forgot about that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but um... I do. Yeah. I, so I, I totally understand. Like if, you know, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, my son being like attacked and bullied online. Um, and it was, I, I feel like Garcelle maybe feels guilty about it because it came from like her being on the show. So, you know, maybe she feels a little bit responsible, um, for all that happening. Uh, so yeah, I completely, you know, understand. And it feels like for the most part, the other ladies did too, but Dorit would just like took it really personally. And I love that Garcelle said, you know, now you're making me feel like I should apologize to you. Um, because 
that is sort of what Dorit was doing. And it's like, I hate when you're in that situation and people like turn it around and you end up saying, I'm sorry. And you're just like, wait a minute. (laughs) That happens to me a lot. And I just want to get out of the situation. So I apologize, even though I was the one that felt hurt. It's like, they completely invalidate her feelings. All they need to do is Mm -hmm. listen and be like, wow, I'm really sorry you feel that way. I hope that we can work to create an environment where you do feel trust. And I know yeah. it'll take time. That's all yeah. you have to say. Like, and listen, mm-hmm. right? But Dorit yeah. is like taking it personally, like almost literally as if you can't trust, like as if she couldn't babysit her kids or something. Yeah, like it was exactly. like, come on, Dorit, you yeah. know? And yeah. speaking of Dorit, um, Bravo historian pointed out that not only did she not bring glam for this trip, but her hair is dyed darker. And she's like, all signs point to there being not a lot of money left between her and PK. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, getting your hair dyed blonde is real expensive. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of upkeep um, and the glam yeah. and she's just mm-hmm. doing her own glam. And that's just, you know, I, something's going on there between the two. Of yeah, them. they are not being I feel like, front. I feel like we haven't seen her not do glam in a very long time you know she'll do glam at home just to go to you know teddy's workout event (laughs) it's like (laughs) you're not gonna bring (laughs) glam to las vegas yeah yeah that was very um interesting so then obviously the other big thing that happened in this Mm -hmm. episode and it was the majority of the episode which was erica's uh like I guess her Mikey, I don't even know what to describe him as. He's Mm -hmm. her choreographer. He's her stylist. He's everything. His partner um, is in Magic Mike. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, she had an in with the show because usually they don't allow cameras in these shows. It was a big deal, I think, to allow filming and all of that. So Mm -hmm. they go in and she says that if you wear pants, that you can go on stage with them. And then Crystal and Erica went on stage and Sutton wore pants and she kept on talking about Mm -hmm. how she never wears pants, but she's wearing pants tonight. And I think she was offended that she wasn't chosen. But then Mm -hmm. she claims that her issue was that when they were on the stage, um, Erica spread her legs and the male dancer simulated Mm -hmm. oral sex. And that was just too much for Sutton. (laughs) It's like everything else was okay, but that was a step too far. And yeah, she completely freaked out. And I, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. like centered herself in the entire situation and could not articulate what exactly she was so upset about. She said Mm -hmm. it was that, but then she also seemed to be upset they didn't choose her, you know? Yeah. Um, I was listening to Watch What Crappens uh, podcast yesterday, and uh, Ronnie, he went to BravoCon. Yeah, um, I met him there. Oh, you did? Yeah. I met him at uh, the uh, Cabaret, the Amy Phillips Yeah, that's where I met him. I was there at the after party on Thursday night. Oh, my God. Me, too. I can't believe we did not meet each other in person. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I met him, and then I took a picture with Amy, and then I was like, I got to go. Oh, I came in late. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) So maybe we missed each other. Um, But anyways, he was saying that he uh, talked with 
Sutton over the weekend. They were at a party together. And so he's hanging out with her. And, uh, you know, we had seen the scenes from this week's episode. And so he knew that she got upset and he asked her about it. And she told him that she was upset because she thought that everyone was going to have to go up on stage. And so like, she got afraid that she would also like have to go on stage and then she would have to be doing that. Um, but I don't really, I don't really buy that. <laughs> I don't either because Erica yeah. said, if you want to go on stage, mm-hmm. then yeah. wear pants. If you yeah. want, that means that there's mm-hmm. a choice, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and you can say no, they're not going to like force you to go up there. Um, and also, uh, you know, Sutton in her ranting, she said, I'm not friends with people who do that. And, um, you know, she was like, that made me think that it's not because she thought she was doing it. It's because, you know, in her presence, um, you know, she didn't think they should be doing that. And yeah, that was crazy. And also at BravoCon, she was selling t-shirts that say, I'm a slutton. So yeah, like... with bacon on them. It was so weird. <laughs> it was so weird. I, yeah. I, well, and I know that her fans call themselves sluttons, but yeah. it, I don't know. I, I agree with Erica in this situation where mm-hmm. Sutton was kind of small town, like really yeah. concerned about what people think of her. And it's like, if you were, you know what Magic Mike is. If you have yeah. a problem with it, don't go. And certainly don't be yeah. like, I love this. Here are all my ones. Like, she yeah, seemed so into ones. it. It wasn't like she mm-hmm. was uncomfortable from the beginning. So Yeah. And then even later, she was talking about, like, her sex toys and yeah. stuff like that. And so it was like, she was just all over the place. It was so weird. She doesn't seem to be able to explain herself in a way that yeah. other people can understand. And I think that's because she doesn't have a good explanation. I think she's worried about yeah. her reputation and she doesn't know how to, I don't know. But then it's like she, she picks and chooses what's okay and none mm-hmm. of it makes sense to anyone else. Like if you have a hard line with something, then have a yeah. hard line and enforce it. But yeah. if it's all over the place, then how are people supposed to know yeah. what's a step too far? Yeah. Yeah. And most of, I feel like most of the Magic Mike guys are probably gay men. Yes. Uh, we know that <laughs> obviously, um, yeah, obviously Erica's friend is. And uh, so it's not like, it's not like there are these like some like gross dudes who actually want to like do this stuff it's a it's a show it's a performance and stuff and erica you know knew knew the guys doing it and so it was yeah the whole thing was just like so unnecessary and and it was rude i i did feel bad for you know the performers because not only do you see people walking out but also like these cameras are following them and it probably was really distracting um you know for them uh in the show um i did laugh when crystal said how do you feel about that we don't mind <laughs> and yes. then erica just starts laughing and 
right? Because <laughs> Sutton's like, centering yeah. herself so much that mm-hmm. she's not even thinking about one, it's Crystal's birthday, and this should be about what Crystal mm-hmm. wants. And two, Crystal and Erica were not uncomfortable. So why should yeah. she be uncomfortable? Yeah, exactly. You know, if she didn't yeah. want to watch it, then you probably shouldn't have gone to the show. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I don't know. I just, I felt like it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And she seemed to, you know, pick and choose when she's prude. Um, and it's no, I don't think it's yeah. a big deal to not want to be part of that. Like, I'm not a big Magic Mike person. I get kind of yeah. uncomfortable and a lot of, less than that and more in like strip clubs where I feel like there's this power dynamic that I don't yeah. feel comfortable with. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's a personal choice. I can choose not to go. And yeah. she could choose not to go. And that would be fine. But instead, she came yeah. and she ruined the experience, which was meant to yeah. be for her friend's birthday. And everyone else was having fun. And mm-hmm. what I couldn't get over, though, is that that one of the guys was trying to put whipped cream in Kyle's mouth. And like, she oh. refused because I, I think she's not having any dairy. Like she wouldn't have oh, the whipped cream yeah. during dessert also. I thought it was yeah. interesting that Dorit and Erica were picking up on Kyle's extremes with her working out mm-hmm. and her diet. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, working out on vacation is like not something that I would ever do in the first place, let alone getting up at five o'clock in the morning in Las Vegas. It's like, <laughs> I don't. I don't know what that life is like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if she wants to do that, she wants to do that. But it seems as though mm-hmm. she's not allowing herself any room to skip a day yeah. to eat what she wants, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm like, um, I think it was Dorit said, like, it's not sustainable. You right. know, you can't you can't be that strict forever. And, uh, you know, one day it feels like she's gonna maybe like break and go like the opposite direction, you know? And then, yeah. Yeah. I hope she's, I hope she's doing okay. Um, okay. Miami. (laughs) I love this franchise. I love how they shoot it. I love everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I cannot believe that Jody owns Adriana's old house. Like what a small world. Yeah, that's that was weird. That um and that she Adriana was going through it like, oh, we had this and we had this and you know, um that was that was interesting to watch. And then they're talking about buying the house next door and like that combining was just, them. That yeah. was so weird. A fun story. Jody used to live in DC up until okay. ten years ago when he moved to Miami and he actually mm-hmm. dated a friend of mine. Oh, wow. And she didn't realize until she was looking at BravoCon footage. And she was like, oh, why is gosh. he there? Um, oh, wow. What does he do for a living? What, how does I he... do not know what he does for a living yeah. at all. But she said really positive things about him. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he seems he seems like a normal guy. She said he's very, um, yeah. like, into his feelings and making sure, mm. you know, like, very communicative, which is exactly yeah. what Lisa was saying. Like, he's always asking mm. me how I'm feeling and listening and, you know, yeah. communicating everything she didn't have in her marriage. So I could see why yeah. someone who's very kind and empathetic would be mm. what she clings to. It just seems yeah. like they're moving quite quickly. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was taken aback 
that Lisa is only getting $8,000 a month. Right. Um, especially compared to Sutton. I mean, I know that Lisa, know. her divorce isn't final, but yeah, Sutton's getting 300000 a month and it's like, you know, 8000 a month. It's not nothing, but it's also, you know, if that's, I feel like, especially for her lifestyle, like that's not going to cut it. You I know? think the difference is that Sutton and her husband didn't have as much wealth when they first got together. I think they were married yeah. when they're young and then That's they true. accumulated it throughout the marriage. So because there wasn't mm-hmm. as much many assets going into the marriage, I don't think they had a prenup, but I think Lenny yeah. had already built assets. And so he mm-hmm. ensured that Lisa signed an ironclad prenup and she is not yeah. what she should, yeah. but you know, that's how it goes. She also just needs to figure out how to sustain her lifestyle without him. And she mm-hmm. doesn't want to do that. Yeah, she doesn't seem like super interested in starting a business or, you know, uh, anything like that. I mean, she has two, you know, really young kids, yeah. which is like, I mean, that's a whole job right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I know she obviously makes money off of the show, um, but yeah, I wonder if she's gonna, you know, figure something out to to make more money for herself, or she'll just marry Jody, <laughs> right? But again, like I I hope that she learns from this. That's important to have mm-hmm. your own money. And because she has this platform, she can make it. I mean, it's being on the show. It's, you know, she can do ads for Instagram. She -hmm. has a lot that she can do. And I hope that she has someone smart advising her. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. What did you think about Todd hiding in the gym until Alexia's party was over? (laughs) Uh, You know, I thought... I definitely thought that was weird. I, as someone who is kind of introverted, um, I kind of didn't blame him that much though. (laughs) You know, I mean, cameras are there. All these people are going to be there. You know, most of the time when they get together, there's drama. Um, I think he probably just didn't feel like doing it that day. Um, but it was it was weird the way that Alexia presented him not being there. And it was a, she really acted like she was going to make some sort of announcement. And because she said, uh, you know, everyone's asking, where's Todd? And I don't know where he is. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I think the difference is that last season he was all over the mm-hmm. cameras. So what's different about this yeah. season? Um, and yeah. since we know from the previews that there's going to be money trouble where they have to leave their apartment, um, mm-hmm. or I'm assuming it's money trouble for why they have to leave their apartment. Maybe he is embarrassed about it. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, I wonder if he got a lot of like negative reactions last year, and maybe he's a little bit more... Um, like reserved or not so quick to like be on camera now. Um, I don't know if he's that like, I don't know what the word is. Um, Like trying to reassess how he can be. I think Anthony is doing that. I think Anthony didn't like how Mm -hmm. he came across, how he was talking about Lars's butt. And, you know, I think, you know, he apologized. And I think hopefully Mm -hmm. this year he kind of really is just a 
in the background. I think that's what he decided yeah. to do. But he will go and support his wife. And mm-hmm. it's certainly not like Gertie's husband enjoys the spotlight. He doesn't seem yeah, to enjoy that at all. That's true. But he's there mm-hmm. to support his wife. And so it seems like Todd is prioritizing his comfort over yeah. supporting Alexia and her job. And maybe he's uncomfortable yeah. because maybe she's starting to bring in more money than he is. I could see that. Yeah, that's, I could definitely just, see that. That's my hunch, but who knows? Um, yeah. I thought it was very odd that Marisol held this gay brunch, but didn't invite the yeah. one gay member of the cast. Julia. Yeah. It's so <laughs> weird. And it also felt yeah. like these gay men were like props for her to be like, look at me. I yeah. love the gays. <laughs> like what yeah, is wrong with you? You didn't really seem to be like super close or super good friends with, with any of know. them. Yeah. Just they were just like, kind of there. <laughs> it was so weird to <laughs> me. Maybe she is right. And we just don't have yeah. these backstories, but it mm. just felt so odd. Um, but fun fact where they held this gay brunch was a venue. Um, it's the Miami outpost of Barton G. And that's where Bethany shouted at Luann, life is not a cabaret. And oh, where wow. Tinsley shouted at, also at Luann, yeah, I'm drinking Luann. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Iconic. <laughs> yeah. Famous spot. Um, yeah. And it's interesting to watch like this brunch juxtaposed mm-hmm. to the meetup that Gertie, Adriana, Dr. Nicole, and Julia have, where Gertie yeah. tells them that she has breast cancer. And it's very clear yeah. that she's having difficulty even saying the words. It also yeah. was clear to me that Dr. Nicole knew already. Yeah, well, they had had a conversation, I yeah. think, in the last episode where, you know, so she knew that uh, Gertie was kind of like getting tested or, you know, going I think through she like something every that... step of the way. I think she was talking oh, to Gertie okay. every step of the way. And she knew about the diagnosis when the diagnosis happened. Oh, okay. That's what I think. Yeah. And so she had to sort of act like she didn't know, but she knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciated how they all, you know, were just very uh, supportive and, you know, saying like, it's your turn to get taken care of, you know, we will be there for you. I did feel a little bit, not awkward, but about Adriana's, yeah. oh my gosh, my cat is in the way. I know. About her reaction. Like, like, it's just Adriana where she has to make everything about herself, where she's the one crying, yeah. right? But Yeah, it, she's like, oh my God. It didn't you seem know? to bother Gertie, right? It seemed like yeah. her and Gertie were embracing, um, mm-hmm. you know, I really appreciated Julia, when she said, because yeah. Gertie was saying she's so worried about her husband and her family and the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And Julia said, it's not a sacrifice. We do it for love. Yeah. And she knows because she just went through this with Martina. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, don't worry about Russell. He'll be okay. Your kids will be okay. Focus on you. And yeah. um, it was a beautiful scene, honestly. Yeah. Because it was women, you know, realizing, wow, this is a really serious, scary situation. We're very glad mm-hmm. it's stage one. 
But, you know, she still has to go through surgery. She still has to likely go through chemo and radiation. And that is really, really hard stuff. So, yeah. And now we know that we know that she did go through chemo and everything. And but we also know that she's okay now, Um, which is, you know, I'm glad that uh, obviously I'm glad that she's okay. Um, But I'm glad that we know because I feel like it would be harder to watch if, you know, we weren't sure still about the outcome or, you know, if we know that, uh, you know, it was like really, really bad, but now that we know that it's okay, I think it's, you know, it's easier to watch. It is. Breast cancer is so tough though, because so many people and all cancers, but like, Mm -hmm. I know a little bit more about breast cancer and, you know, people, defeat it. And then 10 years down the line, they get something else that's even more invasive. And she said, I have an invasive type. So I'm wondering if it was a fast spreading form of breast cancer that then might come back in some other organ. It's, you know, and, you know, how long do you have to be in remission before you feel more confident? I Mm -hmm. I have no idea, like, you know, but confident she's getting really good care. I talked to Dr. Nicole about Gertie during oh. BravoCon, and I was like, "Is she doing okay? You know, is she, is she safe for her to be here?" And she said, "Yeah, she got medical clearance to come." I just Gertie was very oh, overwhelmed because yeah. one, I think she's tired because <laughs> it's mm-hmm. exhausting, and she <laughs> yeah. still she you know was about to finish radiation, and I think like she had to take breaks, for example, when they were doing photo ops, and oh, okay, yeah. like kind of collect herself. I also think people kept coming up to her and sharing their personal mm-hmm. stories of having yeah. cancer or someone in their family <laughs> having cancer. And I think that was a very, it took like an emotional toll on her to kind of hear all of those things the entire weekend. So yeah, that can be really draining. Um, yeah. And that sort of thing. I mean, obviously, I understand people wanting to share and, you know, people uh, connecting with her and everything. But sometimes those stories can also be like really scary and, you know, um, you kind of, it's a fine line. I feel like, um, you know, when you're sharing your story with someone who's going through it. Um, But yeah, that totally makes sense that she, you know, that she was tired and had to take breaks and everything. I'm glad she was there though. I'm glad she was able to go. Me too. I'm so glad. And yeah. um, and then finally, that final scene with her and Larsa, it was just like, what is wrong with you, Larsa? Can, do you, she's like missing the sensitivity chip, as Jennifer Aniston mm-hmm. would say. You know, clearly something is bothering her. Everyone keeps telling you maybe there's something else going on. And yeah. your first instinct when she has tears in her eyes is say, don't cry. We're not going to do that. Yeah. And then she said, like, oh, we all have stuff going on. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how Larsa reacts when she does find out about Gertie, like if she, you know, is because if I know if it were me, like, and I mean, I would never act like Larsa. Does. <laughs> but, but, you know, if I was like, unknowingly, like being insensitive to somebody, and then find out later that they're going through this, like I would feel horrible, right? But I'm wondering if it just like co- totally goes over her I head, and think you know. it does because uh, yeah, <laughs> watch what happens live at BravoCon. 
she was asked mm-hmm. like, oh, after watching back, do you understand why Gertie was behaving where she was? And she basically said, I'm still confused. She's like, I'm the kind of person that oh, just says God. stuff that just like yeah. will come out and say it. And it's like, well, clearly Gertie isn't that kind of person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so while you may have handled it differently, she's handling it the best way that she knows how. And it's just like, I yeah. think hard for Larsa to wrap her head around the fact that someone would handle it differently than how she would. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't think, yeah, I just don't think, I don't know, something's odd about Larsa. Like, I thought she was really yeah. nice when I met her. I thought Marcus was like one of the nicest people from the whole weekend. But mm-hmm. she doesn't seem, she's almost seems to be robotic a little bit and how yeah. she engages with other people. She only shares so much. She, mm-hmm. um, l- you know, obviously lies about work that she's had done. It's like, what's the point yeah. of doing that? Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess it's kind of a joke at this point, but, mm-hmm. you know, I-, I don't know. It was very odd to me to watch this and for her to kind of double down on it. Yeah. Yeah. That is, you know, I mean, I guess it's not surprising. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I definitely was like cringing watching that scene and just like, no, you know, <laughs> like, come on, you know, and I hate when people yeah. say we all have stuff going on, because even if I we know. all have the similar stuff going on, it hits mm-hmm. people differently at different times. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I mean, we know that. Larsa may have a lot going on, but she doesn't have that going on. So it's like, oh, right. It's just create space for Gertie to, you (laughs) know. And then especially when she was like, when Gertie was saying, she was saying, Gertie, you're you're using too many words. And Mm -hmm. Gertie's someone who talks really fast. It's actually quite hard for me to keep track of her, what she's trying to say and her thoughts and feelings because she does Mm -hmm. speak so fast. But she said, you know, I'm an immigrant. I didn't, like, English isn't my native language. And then Larsa was like, I also am, and I know four languages. (laughs) It's like, just because your parents were immigrants doesn't mean you are an immigrant. You know, I have a parent who's an immigrant, and I'm not. And I have the experience of, like, first generation. But that's Mm -hmm. very different from coming and having to experience an entirely new culture. So, and. Like if, I don't know, it was just very odd that she felt the need to kind of be combative when Gertie's trying to explain herself. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, Gertie was trying to, um, trying to talk to her, maybe like she was going to tell her uh, about the cancer. And, but Larsa kept saying like, what is it? What's wrong? What's wrong? You know? And it's like, you don't want to talk to someone who's like, you know, um, being like aggressive like that right especially something you know when you're something so personal and something you know um uh so traumatic as having cancer you know it's like that's not something you say like in a fight you know so I think Gertie was just kind of like okay I can't do it right now you know yeah Oh my gosh. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining this week and for, yeah. you know, sharing your BravoCon experience and talking about all our favorite ladies and the housewives. Um, tell yeah. everyone, you know, where they can find you and anything else you're interested in plugging or sharing. 
Um, you can follow on Instagram at Bay Area Bravo. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's about it. This is actually my first podcast that I've ever done. So Amazing. I, so I love that. Oh, don't be nervous. It's just a conversation. Oh, I wish you would have yeah. told me that in the beginning. It's always like, no, it's just like, think of it as talking to somebody else, how you would just gab yeah. over drinks at Vanderpump Paris. It's the exact same yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, no, well, it this is so, good, so fun. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so, so much for having me on. And I love that you have a Bravo fan account. Yes. <laughs> well, we will talk shortly. Okay, great. Thank you.